Welcome to Ram and Sam. Another week, another great guest from the Bay Area. This time I got my work best friend. I should have had him on sooner. I, I see him like five out of seven days. So many hours spent <laughs> with this man here. And uh, welcome to the pod, Lou. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. Hey, thank you. Thank, thanks for having me. Sorry about the creepy light. It's all oh. good. It's all good. Thanks for doing this, Lou. I feel like most of the time we just bring our friends on and pretend to know what we're talking about. But I mean, Sam, you know, you're you're we got we got like an actual kind of expert here. I mean, we're going to get to some stuff, you know, well, well we're going to hit a variety of stuff. But thanks for jumping on. We'll try to keep up. Excellent. Yeah. And I've got myself a little whiskey going on here for there Friday. I think we'll get to that in honor of some of the stuff we'll get to. You know, I've got myself a little drink here as well. We'll, we we'll, we'll get into it. We got it. Right. I, I got water, you know, whatever, whatever. we don't need to talk about that. But the first thing I definitely want to hit on, which I was very much excited. I've been I've been waiting for this for, throughout the whole NFL season to do this. And uh, I guess I'll give a little backstory and Luke can fill in the holes. So when I first met Lou, it was, you know, not super, not as much NFL knowledge as he has now. And uh, I guess I can let you come in here, Lou, but you mentioned you got NFL Plus on a promotion. And I, I got to say, as a bystander, you know, someone is pretty invested in the NFL, just seeing you grow in NFL knowledge every single week as you watched <laughs> it was was just a joy to watch. But I guess it's best to obviously get a firsthand account. So, Luke, can you talk a little bit about, you know, getting that NFL Plus and just slowly seeing, you know, more and more time spent watching the NFL, which I'm guessing you didn't watch nearly as much before. No, and I, I didn't watch it as much before, mostly because um, I just didn't have live TV. It got rid of cable and, and just mm. didn't have the channels. Um and occasionally would want to watch and would turn on some, you know, one of the live TV streamers was always frustrated because all I wanted to watch was the games and some of them didn't carry all the channels. It was just a matter of uh, NFL plus was great for me because I get just the NFL games. And, you know, I have to say, even though it feels like a fire hose, the red zone is mm is the best way to watch mm. better than a better than a traditional broadcast you think oh absolutely it's at first it felt like you were at someone's house who was very impatient changing the channels but i mean you do get to watch basically all the games all at once um and get a sense you know some of the it's always it was always frustrating to me when i would watch uh, a game and then you know, the one I thought was going to be lame ended up being the really most exciting one. Mm. With that, you don't miss it. But it's it's been interesting. It's it's also horrifying as a <laughs> just the the amount of injuries and people really kind of basically just hurting themselves for profit is. I feel a little guilty about that part. Mm. And I want to fill in the gaps a little bit there more too with your backstory as well too. So, I mean, you said you weren't watching football there for a while. What has just been your, like just your experience with football, with sports, just in general, because like, if it's not, like you said, it's not in there. So, you know, like going out and 
I mean, is it is it like a are we getting the newspaper and box score type situation? Like, just yeah. what has been your history with football? Just I mean the highlights. I think I I was never really into sports, and mostly because my dad was never really into sports and of mm. any kind. Um, but you know, I always kept track of some of the local stuff, and uh, you know, the highlights are always great to kind of catch up on what happened and you know, have a little water cooler talk at work, but, uh, that was basically it. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, I kind of go back and forth on it. I, I basically skipped the first, you know, five weeks of the season just because there's so much happening in, in terms of team settling in. And, mm-hmm. um, but, but yeah, that's, that's, and I just got into it. I, I think I got it like eight week eight and that was, that was fun. That was fun to, to start there. So did you yeah, get, and, oh, oh yeah. sorry. I was going to say, no, well, did, I, <laughs> did you get into the NFL because of the way the streaming package was set up or because football is just the biggest sport? I think just because it is for me a little more accessible than, than uh, football. Like, and I mean football, like, you know, the West of the world knows football, yeah. <laughs> soccer, what we call soccer. Um, I, it, it's just, it's, it's a, a little easier to get into. A lot of those other games from Europe are just happening in the middle of the night or super early in the morning. Not, and it's just a good distraction. It's, it's a pleasant distraction. That's basically it. Yeah. And I know at some point in the season, you know, when I was asking, you know, when you're talking, I'm like, oh, what are you doing this weekend? And you're like, it's football. What are you what are you talking about? Mm. So can you talk a little bit about, you know, not having football in your life and then going through the week and, you know, the weekends just being sectioned off to football, like how that <laughs> changed, how that change fell, how it happened, you know, people mm. are just, just having that section off when you normally don't have it. What's it like yeah. losing your Sundays? <laughs> oh, it's great. I love it. It's a good excuse to get a lot of uh, great snacks and uh, a beer and just, you know, have a relaxing day. It's, it's a, it's a nice thing. I, I really enjoy it. It's, it's something different. I, I will say that, um, you know, I don't always understand all the, the, the minutia of the rules. Um, but, you know, they do a pretty good job explaining most of that. So, as as a relatively new ish um, observer, you know, watcher of the game, it's it's fun. Plus, I don't really have a, a team I root for, so mm. it's it's really low stakes and just entertaining on you know face value. But close games are always exciting. They're exciting, even though I don't care who's going to win. It's exciting to watch. Now, the problem with that is, though, I mean, you're only one year in. So inevitably, if you go back and watch again next year, you're like if you keep watching year to year, you're just naturally going to gravitate. I don't know if it's going to be to a team, to a player. Like, are you ready for that to happen? Like actual emotional attachment to the game if you keep watching? Because it's going to happen. No, it's it's happened like it. It's happened with basketball, of course, when the Warriors are playing, because my mm. family is is into the Warriors, and I'm like, all right, I'll I'll watch. And definitely disappointing when when teams lose, but um, but yeah, no. And I, I, when I watch t- the games, I definitely have teams I'd rather see win than 
than not others, but it's, it's certainly not, I'm not, it doesn't ruin my weekend to, <laughs> if a team mm. loses. Is, and you're a, you're a Bay Area native as well, too. We should uh, say that, you know, not just in the Bay now, but you grew up in the Bay as born, well. Born, born, born raised, and raised. So is that, when you say Warriors, is that Steph you're talking about for like a, a guy that popped off? Yeah. As like I mean, a somebody that you had emotional attachment with? I, you know, for me, I, it, uh, yeah, I mean, with, with basketball, I, I kind of flow in and out. It's, I like the mm. finals. Just watching the finals is always fun. And being a Warriors I, fan is good for that. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It wasn't always, yeah. you know, pre, pre Steph, it was not. Yeah, true. But, um, but it definitely has been. And although lately it's, it hasn't been again. So, you know, it's up and down. <laughs> it's up and down. Well, the, it is funny you bring up Bay Area sports because we do have a Bay team in the Super Bowl next weekend. And this is why I had to make sure to get you on before the end of the Super Bowl. I don't know. We may, I think, Rem and I, we, we, we might, you know, I think it's pretty obvious where I'm going to lean. Uh, <laughs> you know, last week's game kind of uh, put an end of any uh, anti Mahomes uh uh ideas i might have had but what about you lou i mean we know like we just mentioned you you've been watching all year and i i know you've been watching these playoff games so you know which way are you leaning you know to the go or to the san francisco team like where, where are we at right now mm. i i if i'm lean okay if i'm leaning towards anything it's probably to the 49ers but that's only because Again, my family is so into it that I feel like I have to, you know, respect that uh, allegiance a little. Um, but, you know, it's, I didn't think the, the Chiefs were going to make it. We're going to do much better in the season. And, you know, they lost some games, obviously, that they shouldn't have. They, sh they lost games they shouldn't have lost um, in a very disjointed way it's just kind of hard to understand what happened and we almost saw that last week with uh the lions and somehow they pulled it out of the bag i i don't know it's mm -hmm. it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting game so i want to know lou if if you know this is, again is your first year dipping your toe back into football and this has also been our first year without Tom Brady into football. So I know Mahomes has a real chance in this game to elevate into, and I don't know if it's going to be like TV talking points for Mahomes being in the GOAT conversation, but you know, it, it, he, he is, it's going to happen. If, if this game, you know, if they win this game, if he plays really well, we're going to get the talking point. So, you know, like, were you watching the Brady thing when it happened? And like, if so, like, what has been the like the eye test for Mahomes? Like, can you actually see another quarterback being better than Mahomes just watching him at the peak of his powers right now? Yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, definitely Brady and Gronk were were pretty powerful. Mm -hmm. Um somehow it, it seemed like Brady was everywhere in a way that I don't feel like Mahomes has been, but I, mm -hmm. clearly statistically he has. Um but, but yeah, I mean, I, I, he, he's impressive when, and seems to have, uh, you know, everyone talks about the experience about 
being in the playoffs. And I don't think I really understood that until watching some of these playoffs games where, you know, there's just, just, just calm. It's just some confidence and in, in, in a way that, uh, you know, other teams like, you know, the Ravens kind of didn't go into that with that same thing. I, it's, it's interesting to see. No, it, it is. And, you know, it, it is, it's just crazy how you can just see him game after game. Just, it seems like he has a confidence, not only for the offensive side of the ball, but the defense too. And I think, you know, these last couple of games, you know, they've been actually, I think they've scored zero points in the last two second halves. Or, yeah, I think the last two games they haven't scored any. And even against that uh, Dolphins, they definitely weren't as explosive in that second half. And it's just just the assurance that they were going to win, just pretty much willed them to win. And, you know, even you could see the contrast between him to Lamar where – you know, he had that interception where he had where they had all those mistakes. And even in the game against the Texans, he did have under 200 yards. I mean, he didn't play at his MVP level the last two games. So I, I don't know. It's going to be weird. Lamar getting the MVP, having as many MVPs as playoff wins. Uh, but, you know, it's it's a, it is going to be interesting to see if Mahomes can take that final step. But. That isn't the number one story, at least from the socials, from media, you know, rest mm-hmm. of the world outside of sports. It doesn't seem like that's the number one story. Lou, how now that Taylor is Swift <laughs> is obviously not going to leave. It's just it's just not going to disappear. How do you feel about two straight weeks of Taylor Swift promotion as we ramp up to the this Super Bowl in Las Vegas? You know, it, it doesn't bother me. I, I mean, it seems like the right wingers are really fired up and the, the hardcore fans are really fired up. And mm. like, it just, I, I'm like, cool. You know, they're, they're, some, they're a power couple and she shows up to the games and the TV shows her a lot. Like, that's not her fault. Like, you know, it's, they have a celebrity in the house and fine. Like, I, it doesn't bother me. It, it's not a distraction for me it, as, as much as it is for other people. I it yeah I mean I'm totally it's like whatever is his girlfriend's at game who cares? Huh. Did you see the number? There was like for money that she has generated for the NFL, Mm-mm. and I didn't see if all I didn't see all the revenues. Sam, do you remember what it was? I want to say I it was do, like yeah I think it's about three hundred million, and even whoa. with them talking yeah. to producers and tv producers i mean they're saying her being at the game is a godsend like it's it, it, it is ratings like the ratings cannot be denied did you see it at all in that last game sam you said that the one of the questions you had going in was does the league want taylor in the super bowl i mean and clearly they, the numbers yeah. prove they might i mean the and then the numbers for the super bowl are through the roof it's like it is one of the smallest stadiums in the league but it is also vegas so it's just going to be a really expensive game to go i think to get in the door you need to pay eight thousand per seat it's like two and a half million to get a suite i mean you know there's family of players saying they can't even afford to get in i don't know it's 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 a really expensive highly amped affair and uh i'm it's gonna be really interesting but i guess my last question and you know that as pretty much you showing uh, lou with you watching it and it being so entertaining 
Um, can you talk a little bit about why you think the NFL is so entertaining? Because it is something interesting every year, time after time. And, it, you know, I know why it's entertaining me, like, you know, the, the storylines and stuff. But year after year, we always get the TV ratings and the NFL dominates. They're just taking over live TV constantly. And as someone who, you know, has gotten hooked onto it as the rest of us, what uh, what brought you in? What what kept you watching? I mean, I think it's it's mostly the fact that you just don't know what's going to happen, right? I mean, it's it's like a scratcher. You you just you, you hope it's going to be interesting, and sometimes it's it's a winner, and sometimes it's not. But it's yeah. I mean, I th I think with like college ball, the unpredictably unpredictable level is so high that that's also entertaining, but it's also mm -hmm. really weird. Mm. With with the NFL, there's some, you know, you can predict a little bit about what's going to happen because there's a lot more consistency to the players, but yet still, you know, you don't know when someone's going to, you know, do a a 90 yard uh, punt return, you know, for a touchdown like that. Just that stuff happens, and and it's just kind of or one handed catches like right on the edge, or you know, it's Jennings. there's a lot of there's a lot of yeah unpredictability that kind of makes it interesting. I want to go back a little bit to the players that we were talking about as well, too, in the Super Bowl with the quarterbacks too. Purdy. Like, do you do you form opinions on these guys based on the draft? Because I, that, that can definitely be a thing that a lot of sports fans can fall into. And that's one of the things that has affected Purdy with his perception. I mean, do, do you like what you've seen from Purdy this year? And how do you think of him as a quarterback in the league kind of being, you know, a newer observer? You know, for me, maybe it's because I'm a writer. I just think of the narrative like it's it's a good story. Mm. You know, it's 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 a good story, and I feel the same way about some of the other other quarterbacks like uh, Goff and and Mayfield. You know, who were kind of they came a lot. There was a lot of excitement, a lot of hope with them yeah. coming in, and then they didn't work out in that particular team, and then being cast off. It's kind of nice to have that narrative of of them you know, kind of redeeming themselves. So yeah, definitely the, the you know, the story definitely um, helps, but also I, I, I have to feel for them because there's so much pressure. I can't imagine mm. coming in as a college kid and, and having this so much expectation on you um, to perform at a kind of superhuman level. I don't know. I mean, mm -hmm. clearly the people who are there playing are, just insanely talented, moving kinetically, you know, catching, running, eye-hand coordination. Like it just, uh, yeah, it it must be intimidating. <laughs> mm -hmm. And the golf thing, especially too, that you pointed out as well. I mean, him and Baker both former number one overall picks, like you said, reclamation projects. And me and uh, uh, we did a podcast on Tuesday after the game talking about golf and just, I think, I think this playoff run has been really good for him, his stature in the league. I think of, you know, just in general, people trusting him in playoff games. I thought he was big in the, at the end of that Niners game, even though, I mean, cause you had some of the drops as well too, but I thought golf was really hitting those throws. Have there been, a, have there been any other like stories that you said, you know, you really follow the narrative. Have there been any other stories or players that have jumped out from the season at all? Gosh, I mean, well, I mean, in some ways, uh, you know, Lamar has been 
one of those where he kind of feel like he's 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 haunted in some ways by something mm -hmm. and and you kind of hope that he finds his 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 mojo you know that he he finds his strength and and is able to continue to he seems like he he, he gets spooked you know like he mm -hmm. he has a couple of mo he seems to have some moments where he he doubts and and that, that kind of overwhelms him in a way. I don't I don't quite know how sure. else to explain it. I mean, as a as a very casual viewer, like you 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 and, and Sam have very uh Rem and Sam, you both have such a like in-depth, you know, um analytical perspective on on this, where mine is just very kind of cursory overview. Um but but in terms of other stories, I mean I I obviously the just the lions in general, mm, um, of course, you know, making such a transition, like it's, it's, it's a shame that in, because they didn't advance farther that, you know, it, it's seen as a failure, but like, you know, three in three seasons, they went from, you know, winning three games, I think something like that to mm -hmm. winning yeah. the next season winning, I think like 50, half of them, eight or nine or something like that. Mm. And then, you know, this year, the third year, they're, they made it to the playoffs. I mean, that is a huge win. That's not, there's nothing to be ashamed about in that. And yet, you know, that there's always, you know, if you don't win everything, then you somehow lose. I think that's, that's silly. And the Lions and are a team is. too, that I think uh, a lot of people have kind of said can be like, they were definitely dealing with some kind of curse there for yeah. a while. And I know you said you don't have any like emotional attachment to stuff. So does that mean you're not like a superstitious kind of fan in a way? Like you don't have any sports superstition. Do you believe in? Do you believe in sports curses at all? <laughs> um, maybe because I don't. I don't watch it. And I haven't seen it long enough to mm. to believe it. But mm -hmm. I, I. I think. I think people defeat themselves more often than than mm -hmm. any kind of curse. <laughs> That's true. And I, 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 you know, I do love the point you bring up about the Detroit Lions because when their coach came in to the job, you know, he was at his press conference, he was talking about biting people's knees off. Like, you know, it seemed like just a football kind of, kind of meeting almost. And then, you know, now they're in the uh, NFC championship, you know, at halftime looking like it's time to punch the tickets to Vegas. And, uh, you know, even if they didn't make it all the way, uh yeah i think that's a great a great success story and yeah i really love watching it all year long and uh yeah i think i think that is one of the things with the nfl that the broadcasts do really well is telling the stories i think they you know they have like intentional production meetings they get to really talk to the players and i think something that's interesting is they'll talk to them near the beginning of the season and you know where they're at then and then they'll talk to them again later and be like oh this is how they develop so yeah, I think I think that's a great point about about the about the I'm talking about. But you know, I know you mentioned analytical analysis. I'm agree with you, uh, Lou. I mean, Lamar, Lamar, it's just he does get spooked. He does get scared. It does. Yeah. The, the pressure gets to him. I mean, that's that's literally it. We've seen this is the second time as number one seed that uh, you know they underperform massively, and all the stats were in their favor, and yeah, they couldn't get it done. Yeah. Sam, we said. Oh, sorry to cut you off. We go ahead. Go go ahead. Go ahead, Brim. Well, I was going to say, Sam, we said on the Tuesday pod that we thought that the, we thought the moment that really shifted for Lamar was the strip sack by a And it wasn't just the fact yeah. that 
they got the ball back, scored, you know, what that did to the, you know, two scores at that point in the game, but what that did for Lamar's psyche, because you just go through the rest of the passes at that point. And I think the four of his next five passes were all batted down. That I don't know if you think that, that was the moment that mentally kind of shifted, but I thought, yeah, that definitely something happened in that game where he was not seeing things correctly after that. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. And it was, I mean, the strip sack to definitely set him back a lot. And it was just, and then he's throwing into triple coverage. And it was just, it was just a bad thing. So mm-hmm. I don't, I, I honestly don't know how the Chiefs won that game, to be honest. Uh, mm. But they, they just out macho them, I guess. They just, you know, they were just more ready to win. And I saw people trying to defend that play as well, too, by Lamar, where, the defender might have pushed likely off track. Like you can see, if you see like the all 22 from behind angle, you can see where likely is headed and where the ball is headed. And it's kind of in the same spot. But again, there's like four guys right there. So I get the balls in line, but there's four guys. Bush is making a play over. So I don't really know how you defend the thing. Do you trust, would you trust Lamar in a playoff game next year, Lou? Ooh, I I think he needs to, I think he needs to find a perspective for him that works. Like here, I, I, I'm a terrible poker player because I just, I have a hard time not having my eyebrows move around and, and <laughs> be a complete ridiculous tell. But like <laughs> yeah. the concept of, of it, I, I, like, have you guys played enough to know like what a what a bad beat is? A yeah. bad beat? Well, I know just a, a bad beat in gambling. Well, probably not for poker. No, probably not. For well, poker. I mean, it, it's probably the same. It's like SVP's bad, bad beats are probably not the same thing. A bad beat is uh, in poker, at least, is when when you've done everything you were supposed to do, mathematically speaking, in terms of the cards that you were dealt and the cards that other people had. That were okay. Showing and, okay. Yeah. So okay. And, and so you were doing everything you you, sh- you were supposed to, and really, the odds just, for whatever reason, that went bad. So a bad beat is basically a hand where you're like, okay, I did everything right, everything I should have, and it didn't work. And instead of beating yourself up about it, like what you could have done, you just say, bad beat, you know, that was a bad beat, I'm going to continue on. And, and I feel like with Lamar, in some ways, he... He, he takes those bad beats, you know, to heart and it, it just, you know, psychically weighs on him. He just needs to be like, okay, you know what? I'm going to, that was just a weird thing, an anomaly. I'm going to try again and not get so shook by, by all that. Yeah, I think I absolutely agree yeah. with everything you said there. And uh, I, I, what I was going to say was I, on Sports Center, Scott Van Pelt does this ESPN Sports Center and he has a segment, one of his segments he does is bad beats. So it'll be oh. like, It'll be like a, in an NBA game if the spread was like 12 points. So, you know, it's it's like a meaningless bucket at the end of the game that a, a guy will get in transition, makes a meaningless layup, the, you know, bad beat. So I didn't know, you know, in poker, if it, it was gambling. I figured it was kind of the same thing, but I didn't know cards, you know, layups, how what the crossover was there. But uh-huh. yeah, I feel like there's probably been a World Series of poker moment in the bad beats. And I probably just missed it. I need to be uh, <laughs> more committed to the SVP. It's a, I, I love, I mean, I meditate a lot. So for me, it's, it's such an interesting um, concept because, you know, when you meditate, you're really trying as, as someone, you're, all you're doing is trying to build awareness of, 
of yourself. You're practicing awareness and, and try not to get weighed down by things that, you know, I, I catch myself sometimes walking down and I'm making up some story or getting angry about something that's never happened or probably won't happen. And it's like, whoa, okay, let's, let's, let's come back to, to here where none of that is going on. And, you know, instead of getting frustrated on really silly things that like that. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what some of the quality that we've seen uh, a lot of the great quarterbacks have in being able to shake it off. I mean, like mm -hmm. we mentioned earlier with Tom Brady going down 28-3 yeah. on the biggest stage, you know, just taking it one play at a time. Same thing with Mahomes in his first playoff run, you know, being down in every single game to his first Super Bowl. You know, That Texans game? Yeah, that was that was crazy. And then, you know, coming back, so much, scoring so much in the second half that the stadium ran out of fireworks. So, you know, <laughs> it, it's just – it's just, yeah, I think that's exactly right in terms of that's one of the skills that the best players have is being able to shake off the the really bad beats. And it's something that Lamar still needs to develop because, you know, like we like we know, but, you know, it is something that can get forgotten that with the playoffs, I mean, it's do or dies in or out. So it makes sense that the pressure can keep mounting. But, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see if that is something he develops before he gets another MVP and uh, no playoff success. And Lou, Lou, just to let you know, the playoff game that we were referencing as well too, the comeback was, I was this Mahomes' first season in the league? Oh no, uh, this was his first goal, Super Bowl, Super first Bowl run. Super Bowl, yeah. First yeah. Super Bowl run. The, the Texans, they were playing, back when Deshaun Watson was on the Texans, they were playing the Texans. The Texans were up 24 to nothing. And then the Ooh. Chiefs went on to outscore them, I think like 51 to seven Yeah. for the rest of the game. Anyway. <laughs> Did I do that math right? Beat him 51 31? Yeah, it should be 51 7. I feel that like that's the game. moment Sam was Sam knew at that moment that how what when did you did you set the over under <laughs> for three Super Bowls in that moment? Oh gosh. I was I'll uh, I, I was sweating it after the Bucks after the Bucks Super Bowl. Mm. I was that was that was where I was sweating. But when we talk about how Rem and I aren't experts but you are lou you yeah. are a book writer and uh one i know you've written more than one book but the one we'll focus on is something that you know your name isn't really on it and you know, i know it's mm -hmm. at the back somewhere it's kind of kind of hidden yeah. but lou is the writer of the official downton abbey cocktail book appropriate libations for all occasions oh it's, uh, it's getting blurry i don't know what i know oh there we go oh, there, it is. there we go and uh, he has been so kind as to give me a copy, so I've been able to read a little bit. And Rem, I, I don't know, did you did you get a look? Did you did you? I think I might have got a copy too. We got we got a support. We <laughs> oh. got a support. <laughs> we got a support. Thanks. So, uh, I mean, Lou, we've never had a legit writer on the pod, so I, I you know you can go as detailed or as overview as you want, but I guess. Just talk a little bit about, you know, what it takes to even get contacted about this, start this, and just the process of making it from an idea to something that you can buy on Amazon right now. Oh, yeah, the whole process. Okay. Um, maybe... <laughs> just, just walk us through it quick. <laughs> yeah, it's like over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and I, I mean, I think for me, probably it all began uh, maybe 
10 years ago when maybe no more than that when i was really i had i had transitioned out of um a tech job and had always passionately loved cooking and always dreamed about doing it and thought i should do it one day and and uh and one day just decided all right i'm going to do it and i'm going to be ridiculously poor and started working in kitchens and was working as a prep cook basically spending all day chopping onions or celery or things like that and this was after and, the tech job this is not like yeah. right out of school no this is mm. this is after a tech job and i was unbelievably happy uh and i was making very little very little money and i wanted to explore everything about um food and i went on to uh besides doing prep work was working uh at a farmer's market uh made cheese for a while uh was a baker mm. uh worked on photo shoots preparing food for the shoot itself um uh worked at, at a distillery um and did that for a, a while was working as a bar back at some bars and started getting in, into uh more and more spirits and really, the reason I started getting into spirits was because uh, my girlfriend at the time did not like wine. And so at home, opening a bottle of wine just didn't make any sense. But if I opened a bottle of whiskey or something else and made a cocktail, then I could, you know, make a drink, put it back and not have to worry about it going bad or ha what to do with it. Mm. So. So for me, that was the, the entry point into into spirits, and then working at a, at a bar, uh, continued that, and um, then writing about it for a long time taught me an awful lot. Um, but yeah, so that's how I get into the the whole thing, and you know the the knowing what the differences are between the brands and and the aging process and everything else. So that was that was the foundation for. Or just the cocktail stuff and how i got into the writing was mm -hmm. because i was writing about cocktails that's how they they reached out to me um was because they knew that you know i knew my stuff about drinks i think for me i had never seen the show when they approached me about it so mm. i was hesitant um and it it's a brand it's a brand book so with brand stuff you normally don't get your name in it uh, certainly not on the cover unless, you know, you're a huge straw, uh, mm. you know, you're some famous chef. Um, but for me, that was fine. Um, what I needed to do for myself was to make it interesting, an interesting project for me. And since I hadn't watched the show um, at that point, I thought, well, before I start getting into it, let me let me think about this a little bit. I started watching the shows and I realized that the the time in history when the show happened coincided with um, basically prohibition happening in the U.S. and all of these really talented bartenders leaving and going to other parts of the world. Mm. And so what used to be a very American um, idea, cocktails, um, started going to other other places. So there was, play, you know, probably most famously, 
um, was the there was an, an American guy named Harry Craddock who ended up in uh, London at a place called uh, the Savoy, and he really kind of made that popular. Before they in Europe, they didn't dr they drank wine, they didn't they drank brandy, they drank other stuff, mm, okay. um, but they certainly didn't drink cocktails. the The cocktails mm -hmm. were apparently partially unique to America because uh, we had figured out uh, how to harvest ice in the winter and then figure out a way to store it. So, you know, there was always ice in, in, in these cocktails and ice is an important component, obviously, in, in drinks. Um, anyway, that's a very long story to, to say that I, oh, for me, I framed that, I framed that, that's how I approached the, the book, writing the book was with that knowledge of like, this is the beginning of basically cocktail introduction into Europe um, and really out other parts of the world. And so that made it super interesting for me because it, it wasn't just about the show, but it was a way to integrate what was happening in the show with what was happening in real history. Um, and definitely included, a, I researched, um, there was, I found a repository of books uh, from the 1930s that were that were uh, in, mm. uh, in London. There was a book from the oh. 1930s, I think, that was the um, United Kingdom's Bartenders Guild official cocktail book, and mm. and so it was really interesting to do all the research and figure out what was happening, what was authentic, what was you know kind of happening at, at that time, and then bring those stories back in um into the book so that was that was that was probably how i i mean i i had fun writing it and i had fun making the drinks um testing i would write during the day do research during the day and write and mm -hmm. then at night i would have a like seven cocktails i would try to mix <laughs> and yeah. yeah i remember going to the to the store and and coming out with close to a thousand dollars worth of of liquor mm. oh my goodness that's cocktails <laughs> and you get reimbursed for that um that came out of my advance but yeah <laughs> that was a write-off <laughs> at least okay okay a thousand dollars worth of alcohol as a write-off is not the worst thing in the world but so what was the initial passion then was it you got into food first and then writing or they were both kind of simultaneous i got into food first and that was my passion. And then I started working um, at a distillery called St. George, which is what I'm drinking yeah. now. Which, there you go. Um, and you've written about that as well, too, I think. Yeah, yeah, I have. Okay. Yeah, I did, I did it for Eater. I wrote an article about them when they celebrated their 40th year um, in business a couple of years ago. But, um, okay, now I forgot what the qu question was. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we should mention as well too. We should we should have done this off the top. We're still new at this yeah. sometimes. But uh, do, do we want to, the oh. website? Do you want to well, let my... people know about your website because they can sure. read the articles on the website? Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, I'm the village drunk, all one word dot com, but I'm also the village drunk on Instagram, um, so that you can find me either place. Um, yeah, that's where you can find all of my writing right now. Um, well, anyway, you were—I think you were asking about how I got into the spirits thing. Um, That's—that's—I found my train of thought here. Um, mm. So yeah, so the the food came first, then 
the work at the distillery because that was still part of the exploring the food and and then the writing happened um and as the writing was happening i was also doing a lot of cocktail work um uh you know here and there um on my own but also uh professionally so it was it was kind of fun to to see that evolve and then that's how the books happened from the writing and like Sam mentioned as well, too, you've written a couple of books. The first book you wrote was, and I forgive me if the title is not totally correct, but The Complete Cocktail Manual. Yeah, it's correct. Is that correct? Okay. Yeah. So and, and that one, was was that just like a passion project that you took on your own? Because like you said, you were approached for this Downton Abbey one. I was approached for the Downton Abbey one. Um, I pitched the, the first one. Um, mm. And at the time, I was part of the um the US Bartenders Guild uh San Francisco chapter and when um when that book idea was coming up I thought well why not you know kind of include the wisdom of bartenders from across the US and so I think there's like 75 different bartenders who provided uh tips mm. or tricks um cocktail recipes things like that. So it was, it, that was fun. It was a fun project to try to, you know, one, to talk to so many different people, but also, um, you know, to share that wisdom with a lot of other folks. And um, yeah, that was, that was, that was a, a fun book. And then from that, then that's why I was uh, contacted about the Downton Abbey book. Um, and, I and the show is, the show's great. I mean, I love the show. Mm -hmm. I was, I was happy to, to have an excuse to get paid to watch TV, I guess. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and uh, I know you've already, you've told me, uh, you know, offline about it, but can you talk a little bit about, you know, going through that process of testing out the recipes, putting them in the book, not just for the Downton Abbey, but also the manual and, you know, just making sure, you know, there's so many recipes at bed and going through all the little intricacies and just, you know, how much time and commitment that must take, but also I'm, I'm assuming also enjoying the process as well. Yeah. I mean, I, th I think for me, obviously the process, I, I wasn't drinking all the drinks. I was, you know, making them, tasting them, making sure they were. Is tasting <laughs> they, the key word? <laughs> tasting. Yes. Tasting, <laughs> making notes. And sometimes, you know, I'd reach a point where like, all right, I, whatever drink I had made or recipe I was testing was just such a powerful flavor. Um, that I had to just, I was like, I can't taste anything else. Anything else mm. I taste now after this will just be, you know, it's like, mm. it's like eating like something with a lot of raw onion, you know, it's kind of hard to, to taste subtle things after your palate's done. Yeah. It's, it's tired. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was, but that was, I enjoyed it. I mean, it, it was fun to, to tweak and, and figure out and, and test, um, all those recipes I had to make sure that they were good, you know, before, mm. or that they worked, um, before they, that, uh, if I couldn't make them, then, then I'm sure no one could with, with the cocktail manual, you know, that some of the drinks are really definitely like crazy. There's a lot of syrups and uh, really, um, obscure things, difficult things to make because it was supposed to be from a professional perspective, mm. but the, the Downton Abbey one, I tried really hard to make it, you know, three, four ingredients. Um, nothing super 
inaccessible, nothing really um, obscure, you know, tried to keep it as things that, that were appropriate in the era, but also um, accessible to the, the home, the home user, the home, you know, mixer. And while it is like a, you know, a cocktail book, you know, it's got the recipes in there and stuff too. Like you're a writer. And the thing when I, you know, I, I was obviously getting the book, you know, going to look through it, see what's in there. But the thing looking through the book is it is like an actual book. There is like history in there. There's stuff from there's, there's obviously, you know, scenes from the movies, but there's history about the drinks, history, history about the show, just, you know, general thoughts. And like your approach to that was, I mean, like you're saying, you're writing more than just obviously a, a cookbook here. It's actual, like there's actual writing involved. Right. I mean, I think that's a lot of um, what I've seen in the, I've, every once in a while, I'll just take a peek at on Amazon and see what people are saying <laughs> in the reviews. Mm. And, and I think the one that stuck with me that I thought was, was really kind of interesting was like, you know, this book is much better than it needed, needed to be. It could have <laughs> just been like, you know, some bunch of recipes and yeah, know, I more... mean, it's entertaining. Yeah. And that's what it was supposed to be, you know, and it was, it was thought through in terms of the kinds of things that get int introduced and trying to be era appropriate. And uh, I'm, I'm pretty proud of the way it came out. I think, I think it, it, uh, it exceeded my own um, expectations. I certainly, you know, going in, at least when I first started, I didn't know what, what it was going to be or how to make it my own. And I feel like I did in the end kind of accomplish some of that. Yeah. Were you in and uh, I just want to make sure to shout out uh, mm -hmm. Lou. For, you're right. I mean, people loved it. Uh, you look online, you know, check the stats a little bit. 4.9 out of five stars, of over a thousand ratings. You know that point one is someone who got their package messed up. So Cheers, my but brother. <laughs> of course, the book was fine. The other manual, 4.7, you know. Great books, great books. They're both on sale on Amazon, so make sure you go and check them out. I gotta, I gotta put a little plug for Lou. But what, what was your question, Rem? Well, not getting your package—that's an Amazon problem. That's not even a problem with exactly. the book. There's nothing. Don't blame it on Lou. Get the book; it's an amazing book. But uh, were you just involved in just like the writing process or the overall process of the book as well? Too, because it's not just well written; it's a beautifully crafted book. I mean, amazing pictures, well laid out, and. You know, it seems like I don't know if the, I don't know if this is trendy with like these types of books right now in general, but it seems like it's um it almost veers on more being like a coffee table book than it does like being a again like a recipe or a cookbook kind of. Were you involved in just the bigger picture process too? Actually, my wife was with a oh, design. Oh, shout out! So, yeah, and the, the cover the cover design was was definitely borrowed from um, the way a lot of those old books from the 1930s looked, and it's interesting to see that there. Are, the copycats that are kind of doing this very similar thing are 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 out there. It's it's mm. it's kind of funny to see how many are doing the the kind of the gold imp, you know foil on on a on a kind of fabric dark um, you know cover, but it's that's flattering. It's you know, right exactly. Yeah, imitation is the best best flattery, <laughs> isn't that isn't that what they say? Um, but you know, of course we don't want to put a limit on, you know, your career on what you can do with Lou. And I don't know if, you know, you want to confirm anything or not, but could you ever see yourself writing another book? I know it's so much work. 
so much time and you know you know you're busy with other things that you know both of us with work and stuff like that but is it something you could see yourself doing in the future about cocktails or anything in general i could see myself doing a book i don't know necessarily that that it it would be limited to anything in particular but yeah i mean it's 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 a really interesting process it's i think everyone has to find their groove it's a lot of work uh, mm. i remember the the you know and things always take longer than you think they they will like the the i remember the final edits i was making the the last changes to the book the first book um literally i was on a train from london to edinburgh um for to start a vacation and i was madly trying to finish up uh the last couple of pages and i finished the last few pages before we pulled into the station pulling I, in <laughs> i i sent off the the uh the the manual to uh, my editor and was able to just enjoy the the rest of the trip but but yeah, it just things take long. I kept thinking, oh yeah, I'll be done, and you know, it, it shouldn't take me more than you know six months. And yikes, it's it's a lot of work. I think it was like thirty thousand words or something like that. It's mm. a lot. What was the oldest? What was like the oldest drink or book that you researched in this process? I think I remember reading on one of. Was there like a maybe like a eighteen? I remember seeing like you know eighteen yeah. hundreds in various points. But what was like the farthest back you went with the I, research I, on this? I think 1800s. I mean, there were some recipes that are basically a lot of the punches um, are pretty are pretty old. They're from the 1700s. Um, there are a couple of um, uh, beer drinks that are basically you know you you take beer and you add some sweet some spices and sweeteners and then you mm. put a hot poker in there to heat it up. Um, I mean, that's pretty old. That's but. But most of them, I tried, for, at least for the Downton book, tried keeping to the era as much as possible. Era specific. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, you know, there was, yeah, there was obviously a little bit of, of, uh, of leeway in terms of, you know, it, it, I didn't stick entirely to mm -hmm. just to the span of the, of the, the show and the movies, but um, I tried keeping as close to that as possible. And like we were saying, too, there's history in this book. So, I mean, a lot of this stuff is drawing inspiration from stuff in the past. You know, maybe some of the dates, it's like, hey, this drink is from this drink that's actually back then. Again, you guys got to just get the book and look into it. It's a it's an amazing book. But I, you did you did mention uh, something a little bit interesting about uh, wine a little bit later I or, or earlier. I did want to ask you, is there a, is there a difference between wine girls and mixed drink girls? Like, is there, is there a different vibe? Is one better or worse? Did you say the mixed drink girl was an ex? I don't remember. Oh, no. Uh, the wine girl, the no wine girl. <laughs> the no I wine see. girl. Okay. Yeah, no, it's, it's the same girl. It, it's that, 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 that no wine girl turned into my wife. Of, um, so oh, but now she likes wine. Sweet. So it's, it's the same. <laughs> <laughs> we all change, right? There you go. It'll change um but and so you know having the experience of 
writing those two books, what would you say was, you know, you mentioned all the hard work and like the amount of time it took, but what was your favorite part of the process, you know, contrasting the two processes, maybe they were totally different, but what, what was your favorite thing that, you know, would make you want to go back to doing it again, if you ever wrote again? Hmm. Oh, um, you know, I don't know. I think, I think it's just, taking an idea and being able to to craft it in a way that makes sense and is interesting um and is delicious like that's that's cool like mm. that feels like a magic power you know like it just it i i really i really enjoy that communication um I think that that's the part that I, that was my favorite was, you know, like, okay, how am I going to, how am I going to talk about, you know, this drink? And, and it's like, oh, okay, this is what I like about it. Let me, let me see what I can do and, and edit. And um, I think that was, that was the best part really. And it doesn't mean that I got it right all the time or that everyone understands, but um, I think in general, you know, it was a pretty good job. So are you just hooked on um, Downton Abbey now? <laughs> I definitely have seen all the shows and all the movies <laughs> and will probably watch the next movie. Um, mm. But I haven't really gotten into any other cozy um, British um, period shows. So I don't know. Maybe that. Huh. Does The Office count as a British period show? Rick oh, my gosh. Oh, that was an insane show. I loved it. <laughs> the, the the UK version, at least. Yeah. Oh, well, and and the the American one too, but the UK one did end where the, I guess the American one eventually did. It went much longer. Mm. Do you think British is better than American? I know that's a that's no. a big debate. I think they're totally different. Mm. I mean, true. for me, they're completely different. At least, well, in the begin, the first season had some had some episodes that were basically similar to what the British ones were. Um, but then it kind of found its own groove and its own characters. And, you know, I, for me, they're totally different. The, the Pam in, in the British is definitely different than the, mm. obviously, the American. Mm. But Interesting. So yeah. the British should just stick to the Bake Offs, is what you're saying? <laughs> That's the no, show that no, they've got. <laughs> they got some great shows. They should, they should definitely. He said, don't yeah. aggregate. I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> All the British are amazing. But they, man, they love they love to murder each other in those shows. In those, sure. at least my wife has Acorn, mm. and she watches all those cozy mysteries. And it's these mm. little villages, and they're always just offing each other. It, they're <laughs> violent. There was there was a like a British. I think is it Ten Little Indians? Is that the story where? Hopefully, hopefully that's still what they call it now. Is is that the story <laughs> where like the people are offing each other on the island? And there was like a a British version of that. That uh, I think is it like a Ag Agatha Christie? Is that oh. the right? That's like the one British yeah. thing that I've ever seen is that production. And I gotta say, it was good. So you know, maybe the British, maybe the British do do it uh better than the Americans. Pause. Who knows? But I did, I did want to float something else by you, Lou. So I have a theory. You said, you said you worked in restaurants. You know, you've been around. You know, you've you've been in the industry, and uh, me as well too. I know Sam as well too has also worked in restaurants. So. I think all three of us have have experience in here. And 
I just working in that industry, you notice obviously people are at their grumpiest when they are hungry. So I was thinking just big picture, like world history. And I know you've done a little bit of history study with this. Can a lot of like world problems just be attributed to it, like historical issues just being attributed to people being hungry and feisty? I'm sure. I am sure to some degree. But also, you know, I working think, in the restaurant industry, again, that's when people are at their worst. Yeah, but I think people are also at their worst because I, I well, here's here's what I think. Okay, so we're we're a capitalist society. And you know, people don't <laughs> aren't forced to go into the army. I think people should be forced to, to Ooh, either leave okay. hospitality. They need to do like a year or two so that sure. they know what it's like and have a have a little bit more decency, you know, like don't throw, don't throw your, your milkshake at, you know, the poor people because mm -hmm. they forgot, you know, you know, some sprinkles or something like it. Just, cherry. <laughs> yeah. You just kind of just be nice to people because they're trying and they're not getting paid a lot. And, um, I think, yeah, I think everyone should be required to do that, that, <laughs> that service. Um, it's yeah, so true. The kids should just the kids should just go to work for like like you can be a busser at like as like a you know a fifteen yeah. year old. Just go so, to just go go in there and see what's going on. Like you're saying, get time. a couple of things thrown at you. Get get yeah. grown up a little bit. Get yeah, humble. That. It's good for you. It, Sam, yeah. that's, I mean, I know it's good for you, Sam. When people getting that up, they didn't get the fries, the cheese curds. You can't mix that up. <laughs> no, you can't. You can't ever forget the cheese curds. Or the sauces. No, I definitely am very much in agreement that everyone should work in food service, retail service, something. Because it is, it, you can very well, very easily see who hasn't. It, it shows a lot um, in general. But the Marines um, or McDonald's, one or the other. Oh, <laughs> Got to pick one. <laughs> so when you were working it, when you were working in kitchens, was it like? What kind of kitchens were they? Were they high-end kitchens? Were they like were we were we flipping burgers at the fast food? Oh no, no. I mean it was it was definitely more, you know, the mid-tier to high-end mm -hmm. kitchens. And you know, some of them were definitely toxic environments to work be working in with, you know, the I guess the easiest example or yeah, archetype is, you know, the one that Gordon Ramsay plays in Hell's Kitchen, where it's like mm. this is fucking raw in the middle, and then throws <laughs> How common is that? Room. Is that a common uh, chef stereotype? Oh yeah, absolutely. And and mm. and I think it's probably less common now. In I think that um, yeah, I think it's a lot less common. But it used to be much more common. You know, it, I remember I remember meeting a chef. So I was at, going to this high end restaurant, and I was going to do. To learn, I was going to do what they call a stage, which is you basically work for free, you know, so you can get some experience. And this person who the sous, I think they were a sous chef or or something like that. They were, you know, kind of in the higher ranks in terms of the, the cooks, introduces mm -hmm. me to the chef. And I stick my hand out to shake uh, their hand and they look down at it like, you know, it's I just offered him a piece of dog poop. Mm. And with like this disgust, like I'm not gonna shake that or I'm not gonna touch. It was just like I was like, oh my god, and <laughs> and they were like, oh, so do you want to work? You want to stage here? I'm like, no, I don't want to stage. Not here. anymore. <laughs> Honestly, though, is that restaurant need... still in business? Oh no, 
Yeah, they're, mm, <laughs> they're done. Wow. All right. They're gone. Hey, what, what goes around? I wonder <laughs> why. Yeah. You just, you just can't be... You can't be that mean to people exactly. and, ex- and expect them to to be happy about it. Like, just be nice. What does, what does the restaurant scene look like out there in the bay? Because I know, I know Sam is new to the bay, so he wasn't, he hasn't, he didn't see the bay, you know, through the pandemic. What's it been like now, post pandemic? It definitely, it definitely has changed a lot. I think it's a, a lot harder for people, uh, especially in some cities. Uh, Oakland, San Francisco, I know has been, those two have been really hard hit, mostly because people just don't go to the downtowns anymore. Mm. Um, and I definitely don't don't travel there as often as I used to. Um, not that, you know, I'm I am the, the average mean, uh, you know, uh, or define that, but yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like I feel like people's eating habits changed a lot after the pandemic. I know I enjoy having friends over and going over to other people's houses for dinner or lunch or something. Definitely more than I used to before I was always figuring out what the new place was, you know, traveling Mm -hmm. a long distance to go check it out. And now I, I definitely am like, Oh, something opened up in news new opened up in San Francisco. It's like, well, maybe one day when I'm near the area, I'll check it out. I don't mm. race over there to do it anymore, but so it it's, be... so yeah. Is that just like a bad habit then? And the pandemic started where we're just all in our houses now. We I can't don't know. Get out? I mean, I mean, you because have... I I agree with you. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Rem and Sam, like I don't know. You got y'all are <laughs> much younger than me, so I, I, how did it change for you? I mean, I, no, I yeah, think, go ahead. I think something Bay Area specific, which might have, I think, definitely affects a lot of people now, is. You know, having that pandemic and not going outside your house, you know, get that almost culture shock that I got coming from the Midwest over here of, oh, this traffic sucks. Like, this is a long time to sit and wait. And I think, you know, when you grow up with that and you're just always, you know, like you mentioned, you're just in the groove. You're like, oh, this is normal. You know, it's not something you realize. And then you're at home and, you know, you're used to making stuff, you're used to door dashing, you're used to going down the road. And now you go and do it and you're like, oh, I, this is why I like staying at home. This is why I didn't like going outside. And um, I think that's, you know, something that definitely has affected the area here. Because as you know, Lou, I mean, it's just, it's such a hassle to get into the city, to get everywhere. And, to get um, parking. Yeah, and parking as well. Mm. It's, it's crazy. And to not get bipped. <laughs> not, not get robbed. Hey, but the, it's still, there's plenty of nice stuff though. We don't want to keep Lee's situation out. Oh yeah, you're right. <laughs> No, no, but it's, I mean, I, yeah, I definitely, I think, yeah, definitely the parking is, but what I, I mean, what I have been doing, and I don't know if this is different for you, you both, I definitely go out, but when I go out, I definitely stay local and try to support mm-hmm. the small local yeah. places here instead of, you know, making a, a trek, uh, you know, across the city to, you know, an hour on the road to go somewhere else. Yeah. And especially like, I know for us when we're younger, I think he's geared you to do like the fast food and stuff, but, and you know, there's, there's budget reasons for that. I'm not saying I don't definitely get the four for four from Wendy's more often (laughs) than local, but if local is, if local is available and that that's like a, a, a good number one option, I mean, I'm definitely taking it now. And that is post pandemic 
thinking about that a little bit more. So I, in a positive way that you're right, that is something that has been changed for the better as well. Yeah, I, I think, you know, Vallejo, where we're at, is a great area for that. Uh, lots of something Lou has been trying to put me on is all the food trucks. Uh, we are in this area, but um, I think, yeah, I think uh, it is pretty interesting. And I, I, I guess I reference it a little bit, and it's something we've talked about, Lou, is, you know, having, you know, I guess the perception from, you know, we had Keith Lee come and leave, and then President Biden, you know, there was issues mm. with trying to get people off the streets and stuff. And, you know, just a lot of negative media about the Bay Area. But as someone who's been in the area and very much in the food industry, can you talk a little bit about the food that is here for, you know, we have a lot of listeners in Iowa, Midwest, who don't know too much about the Bay Area, but, you know, the good side of the food scene here and other things. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like there is a variety of regional cuisines um, that certainly were not not available when I was, you know, younger like you know think about like you know definitely like i feel like korean food right now is has been uh kind of pretty hot for a while filipino food mm -hmm. um but i feel like it, that is where indian food used to be so indian food for mm. here used to be just like you know tandoori chicken and stuff and now we have regional we have nor northern indian we have like southern indian style food just like uh chinese food and in uh in fremont you get like the regional area um styles so you get a lot more variety i think it's it's it is not oh and in in other places you'll so there's a lot of like afghan kebabs which are amazing um mm. you know they're totally different than what you think of when you think of kebabs like explain an kebabs. afghan kebab um you know they're marinated in uh all these spices uh, some of them are flat. They're like these little patties that have like these blazing hot chili peppers. Mm. Um, they do uh, these little dumplings that have like this yogurt sauce on top. I'm leaning also... in. <laughs> <laughs> he wants some. He's, he's tasting some right now. <laughs> yeah, no, they're it's it's fantastic, and it's you know so different from from other you know other styles of like you know the uh, Islamic. Uh, Chinese style kebabs, which are more like lamb, and um, it's it's just there's a variety of food here that is, I mean, granted, it, it this is something I think about a lot is, you know, when you talk about a place that you should go to, I I always think about well, okay, is this a place that is worth spending two hours in my car and to go get, or is this a place that is fantastic because it's down the street from me? You know, mm. like I think, I think a lot of those, there's a lot of things like that, that I, I always wish there was, you know, when people tell you about all these places you should go to, mm -hmm. that there was a, this is definitely a destination place, or um, this is, this is definitely not, I think some of the regional food is definitely destination because you're not going to find it outside of, you know, the country there, if, unless you go back to China or go, or you go to, to India or you go to, you know, um, these other parts of Mexico, you know, unless you're, you're going there, yeah. you're not going to get anything like this. So I think that's, that makes it interesting. That makes it delicious. Um, I think 
for me, and and I feel like maybe I'm I don't know if I'm weird, but I understand people better when I taste their food. I mm. it gives me a better sense of who they are. Like, and and it's not a judgment. It's just like, oh, okay, these are the these are the flavors. These are the ingredients that you have here. And even when it's transplanted somewhere else, and the closest thing they have is, you know, not quite exactly like it. it it's at least a uh, an idea that it, it's that that often translates. I think, even if a little clumsily, you know, it it it, it does the, it does the work. Um, yeah, I, that's that's the kind of stuff that I enjoy is learning and tasting but no given that there's also places near me that i love that you know i definitely wouldn't say you know come come from iowa to try this because <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah is there is there a place is there a destination place i don't know if you want to shout somebody out or not but oh my gosh you said um, you said the you know you said the the some of the like the regional cultural stuff is a little more unique yeah, i don't know if there's something I mean, there it, so where i grew up in in fremont there's a lot of uh, pretty amazing regional um, Indian, uh, uh, Afghan, and Chinese um, mm. cuisine, and I mean it's it is something that I don't know that that makes that area special. Um, there's a little Saigon in San Jose, south of there, that has you know some pretty amazing Vietnamese. Um, Obviously, Mexican food is is all over the place here, and there's some. Yeah, there we go. That's where I like to hear. It's so much good. There's so much good stuff out here. There's a taco place actually, but right before this, I stopped off, and one of my my favorite taco truck, La Piñata, wow. here in Vallejo. Mm. That, that uh, swing yeah, no, it's so good. It's it's my favorite. Um, got a buddy of mine who works at a paper who who I. It's like let's go try this place and he dug it it's on the it made it on the on his list of top tacos in the bay area which is kind of fun to see la piñata yeah la, la piñata. piñata shout out it's and not open on the weekends which is sad that's, it's just that's, <laughs> that's when tacos they, are at their best uh, like... i know <laughs> that and tuesday but i do got a second uh lose, lose point in terms of the great diversity of food here in the bay area uh, I've never had even heard of, you know, cuisine from Burma. And then I had Burma Superstar, a little bit of a chain, but that's, I mean, it just blew my mind. I mean, I think there's, I think it is Filipino food, but uh, the Jollibee, uh, it's like another <laughs> chain. But he having talking about this place. Exact, having tomato or banana ketchup noodles <laughs> with like chopped sausages. It's just crazy. It's a amount it's of hot food dogs, and, by the way. It's not hot dogs. Hot dogs. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> I mean, it's, again, but these are chains, you know, that's not even the local food that's here. And I think California, you know, especially the Bay Area is almost at the perfect spot to get, you know, kind of the middle of getting all these cultures from different areas. I mean, you're, you're so close to Asia and, you know, the Bay Area is really known for having a strong Asian community in this area. And then, you know, like you mentioned, you know, from, you know, from South, from Mexico, from other Hispanic countries, from, you know, all in American, so, you know, other, mm, other you know, tradition. Exactly. So it's just, it's just crazy to see the mix of all of those different cultures all in one 
area that it's just it's just crazy to go from district to district seeing like the cultures that have been here for so long and you know seeing all these restaurants and all the history it's it's something i've enjoyed just driving around the area and uh you know i i can't i can't imagine having a whole lifetime there though so i i definitely you know wish wish you could have you wish i could have just had so much time just having endless amount of money and just go restaurant restaurant mm. just eating <laughs> i just wish i could if we can get a sponsor to give sam endless amounts of money <laughs> Can we get a bank sponsor for Sam? <laughs> that might be the goal. Shout out to shout out to Iowa. I know I know me and Sam are from the same area, but Sam grew up in I you know Iowa City's a little we're in different cities. So our city was always a, a little bit behind. Iowa City's a college town. They get a you know tend to get a, a few more trendy things. But uh shout out to the hometown. We're improving, but we need to get more good shows. I feel like shows are are shows like the most important thing to help boost like the restaurant economy in something Mm. because you know i noticed when like just every like we had i think sal volcano came through pause like uh in november last year and i'd like every time we get a big name in town you know all the restaurants are booming everybody's doing good business i know lou you have a little bit more experience with that is that like is that the best thing for restaurants is like the entertainment industry around it i i think just well definitely I mean, to draw people in from outside. But I think, you know, to explore your own city. Like, I still find things in, here in Vallejo that I had no idea existed, um, which makes mm. me curious about what in Iowa near you, where both of you uh, um, came from, like, is food that you think is interesting there. I mean, I'm, cheese curds is not something we have here. So to me, that is interesting. Oh, Okay. Right. Dude, so, no Culver's, no Culver's around here. No Culver's, no frozen yeah. yogurt, no. Yeah, I mean not frozen, frozen custard. Sorry, mm. I'm sorry. <laughs> frozen yogurt is a, the better option. I think I think you guys are on the on the right side there. Is cheese curds are is is that the big Midwest contribution to the food culture? Is it cheese curds? Is that uh, cheese cheese curds are definitely one. Uh, but that I mean, is that an Iowa thing or, or a Wisconsin thing? Uh, it's more Wisconsin, but true, it's not even an Iowa thing. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we're mostly corn, pork. Um, I'm trying to think. Soybeans. Yeah, let me let me is, see. Is here. a pork Iowa roll cuisine. an Iowa thing? Mm. Like a like a like a pork egg roll type thing? No, no, no. Oh, it's not like it's not like bologna, but it's something kind of in that shape and size. Oh, okay. Mm. So, can is can meat an Iowa thing? <laughs> I know. Uh, have you ever had Scot- Scotcharoos? I think that's that's what I'm seeing oh. in Iowa. Um, made right sandwiches, I guess, are technically like that's a whole restaurant chain. I don't know. Taco pizza? Did they have that? They definitely gotta have taco pizza out here. Taco no pizza? Uh uh-uh, uh What's taco pizza? Oh my gosh! Yeah. Oh, taco pizza. Okay. It's just pizza <laughs> with taco toppings on it. It's got you oh, know okay. ground beef, tomato, lettuce. I think a lot of the places too will do like. Like Doritos on it, yeah. Or you know, like a walking it's taco. More, it's probably more of a walking taco. Yeah, <laughs> is a walking taco a Midwest thing? I've never Apparently. heard of a walking taco. Yeah, it's yeah. a taco it in a, a Dorito thing. bag. Oh, okay. Yeah. That well, that that definitely runs more in that. It makes me think of like um, uh, Frito chili pie, uh, mm. which is like a New Mexico thing where they'll open up a bag of. Cheetos and they'll put like um, 
chili in there and cheese and a bunch of other things, which is also makes me think of there's this a Mexican thing they call uh, papitas preparadas, which means prepared potato chips. And it's like you buy a bag and they add all these other toppings to the they split the bag Yeah. open and then add the toppings to it and then you eat it out with a fork. Yeah, So that's that's a walking it. taco. I'm looking at it. This is basically the same thing. The the Yeah. potato chips you're talking about, it's potato chips. So maybe it's a little like because, you know, Doritos, it's a nacho chip. It's a little, you know, different types of chips. But Right. yeah, same same thing here. The what it, what was the what was the last one I just looked up? Frito chili pie. Yeah, same thing. Yeah. Food. So we got cheese curry. I guess walking tacos is not a, a contribution. Sam Taco said scotcheroos. queso. Yeah, Are you? I don't. It's technically from Scotland, but I know Iowa tries to claim it. I mean, it's just like Rice Krispies. You just put butter on top and uh, peanut butter and chocolate. Oh, dang. So that's and then you Well, just that throw sounds in the oven. delicious. Yeah. Oh, it's it's top three most addicting dessert. It's it's crazy. I mean, it's it's literally just corn syrup and peanut butter. It's peanut butter on steroids with chocolate in it. It's it's insane. You can't have if you have the box around, you're just gonna eat the eat the whole box, Pod. It's Oh just God. it is what it is. All right. It's something you want to order from some other place. <laughs> yeah, get like one at a time. It's they're they're deadly. If that is, I guess the problem is Scott Scotland is basically in the name. Can Iowa claim that? If Scotland I don't know. is in the name, It can't really. I don't know. It's on my list of Iowa cuisine. I mean, I was trying to, I think there's puppy chow too. I don't know if you've ever, puppy chow. I mean, pork tenderloin sandwiches, they try to claim. I don't know. It's, it's all over. That's just because pork's our thing, though. Yeah. I feel like a pork tenderloin is pretty basic. I mean, that's just a pork chicken sandwich, right? Am I crazy? It's the same thing, but pork, It's so. just massive. I mean, there's Yeah, there's it just is some way places bigger. in Iowa that are just proud to make them <laughs> like bigger than your body almost. It's that it's is the crazy. Iowa thing. The Iowa thing is not actually food itself. It's just like, let's just make the food really big. Because, yeah, in the Midwest, like pancakes, they'll do that with pancakes. They're just like, how big of a pancake do you want? The whole table? Okay, we'll do that. That's this restaurant's, that's this restaurant's bit. A hibachi pan pancake grill? I think he might have just, IT, I write that down. He might have just come in, came up with a business. Lou, would that work over there in the San Francisco scene? A hibachi pancake grill? Hibachi pancake grill? You know, I don't know. I kind of like the idea of, of <laughs> uh, it, 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 he go to the Benihana and they give you breakfast instead of, mm. you know, anything hibachi else. They're breakfast? flipping, Might yeah, save they're Benny Hunt. <laughs> they're they're flipping flipping pancakes and making eggs instead of uh, you know, the fried rice or whatever it is. That Benny could work. Manana. Yeah. I get Oh, I like that. <laughs> it. <laughs> Is that the name? Slide in, slide in the DMs if you guys want to see a hibachi theme, a, a hibachi, a pancake theme hibachi restaurant open up in the Bay Area. Yeah. DMs, Yeah. Any investors, yeah, make sure funders, to contact slide in us. if, <laughs> <laughs> if All we can right. get some equity Well, guys in the DMs. I don't Who's even know if in? you had, yeah, I don't know if you had anything else, uh, Rem to ask, but I did want to make sure to shout out Lou before we let him go here. Uh, make sure you check out the village .com. I still love that name. That was hilarious when we first met him. And on Amazon right now, you can buy the uh, official Downton Abbey cocktail book, Appropriate Libations for All Occasions, and uh, the complete cocktail manual 
recipes and tricks of the trade for modern mixologists. Both are almost 30%, both almost 30% on sale. So oh, get, so get them now. Get, get them now. now. Get them now. to not buy them. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> These are free shops. Is there anything else we missed here, Lou? Anything else we should shout out? No, man. We, we covered a lot of ground. This is so much fun. Mm. Can we see the book one more time? Again, it's a beautiful book. Yeah, it it's, is it's, is, it, is my background blur going to blur it again? <laughs> uh, maybe if you put it in front of your face. I don't know. I was trying to focus on your face. Yeah, it's not oh, working. That's uh, uh, all good. Hey, well, it's blurred out because you're supposed to go on Amazon and look you it up right now it. and buy it. You got to see it for you yourself. You got to see it. So uh, I know Rem will put some links in. It'll the all be below. Yeah, it'll all be down there. Click on it. And uh, yeah, thanks again, Lou, for hey, coming thanks. on the pod. And uh, yeah, hopefully we'll have you on again sometime soon. That was fun. Yeah, maybe we can break down the Super Bowl after. Or I can watch you guys talk about the Super Bowl <laughs> breakdown, whatever happens. Do we need to end it on a pick? Oh. Okay, sure. Who, who you got? Me? I think, well, I, mostly because I feel obligated to say this, the 49ers <laughs> are going to win. <laughs> All right. All right. We'll see. We'll he said, take see. the money line, take the spread. He's got the Niners. Thanks again, Lou. All this was right. amazing. All right. Thank, Thank you. you. All righty. We're back from the break. Right. Shout out to Lou for coming on the pod. Appreciate it. Um, and uh, yeah, really, really uh, great listen. So make sure you hear all of it. But something we did talk about, and we didn't get too much in depth, but you know, first of all, I got to make a statement on the pod. You know, as a Chiefs fan, I've kind of felt like to be the said. prodigal son. You know, it feels like, you know, the last time before this postseason that I doubted Mahomes, it was in his against in his first Super Bowl against the 49ers. And since then, I've been by his side through thick and thin until last weekend with the Ravens. It was just too much stats, Rem. Too mm -hmm. much to go against what I thought as a football fan, as a rational fan that could be, well, I need to start being irrational. As a as a mm. cheese guy, I make a statement on the part. I'm not picking against Mahomes in the playoffs <laughs> ever again. It's just not happening. It's oh, just not happening. Wait I a can't. second. Ever? You're not just saying ever. I think you're gonna just say you're not picking him for the Super Bowl. Well, you yeah, know, until he's like 38 maybe you know once he like really starts aging out, out he's gonna have to have a couple playoff losses in a row a couple early exits for me to start picking against him but till then i'm not picking against him six straight afc championship uh, conference championships four out of the last five times in the super bowl and you know chance to win the third one and i know we'll talk a little bit about it more next week so i won't really get into the game breakdown but a graphic, shout out PFF, as always, killing it with the graphics. And something interesting, a question it had this past weekend is, which QB wins a Super Bowl first? And it had a graphic with, you know, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts, Justin Herbert. And that's the point that, you know, we need to get across is that when, when you look at MJ in his prime, the question is, how many superstars did he prevent from getting one ring, from making their run to the Super Bowl, for even getting a chance? And you look at 
the two teams that did stop or did win, you know, in the Super Bowl during this Mahomes era, it's one led by Tom Brady and the other one, you know, Joel Burrow knocked him off. And then the Rams with their star-studded loaded team lift the Lombardi. But beyond that, it's been Mahomes so far in every season he started. Um, you know, Tom Brady stopping him twice, and then Joe Burrow one year, he gets stopped in the Super Bowl. So it's just it's just crazy, you know, to see this run that Mahomes has gone on. You know, of course, I got to give him his flower shout-out to my man. And it's, it's going to be interesting to see how many guys Mahomes will continue to stop from getting their own chance, that he's just that great that their legacies just have a ceiling on them, and there's nothing they can do about it. And the thing about, you know, the funny thing is, you know, we just have Lou on. Lou, obviously, like you said, he was a little in and out with the Brady era there. But just think, like, big picture as time goes on, there are there are going to be people that watch Mahomes that didn't see Brady. And, you know, just as time goes on, as time passes, the the thing that I think Brady actually has over Mahomes right now, because, well, here, I didn't know if, I, did you see this on Steve, or on first take where, they had Stephen A., Ryan Clark, and Shannon Sharp all said that they would take Mahomes in one game over Tom yeah. Brady. Did you see that? They yeah. All three of them agreed unanimously that in one game, they would take Mahomes over Brady. So it's like, okay, Mahomes kind of already is the best cornerback of all time then. And then it's like, okay, well, what does the resume have to be for him to catch up to Brady? But the thing that Brady would have would be like the thing that MJ has over LeBron like we were talking about with Carter last week. If you haven't watched that interview, go check that out. That's that's awesome. But the thing we were talking about is MJ has that aura and Tom Brady has the aura right now, I think, over Mahomes where Brady was just inevitable. And the, like the one thing that will scare me more than anything ever in football is just Brady in a fourth quarter, like warming up on the sideline with his helmet on yeah. and you can just like see into his eyes. And he's just locked in. Like, it's just the scariest thing in sports ever is locked in Tom Brady. But if Mahomes wins the Super Bowl this year, like that is that is that like that's the last thing that now Mahomes is chasing, right? Is like the aura. And that's the thing that I think this this is where that starts, right? Is this sort of Super Bowl. Like the first five years were he the first five years, he did everything from a resume standpoint to be in the group. Like we kind of talked about that. He made that leap. But now it's the aura, right? It's if he and just I think he's already kind of accomplishing that just by being in this game and dominating the AFC. Like you read that graphic, all almost all those quarterbacks besides Jalen Hurts are AFC quarterbacks. And yeah, even if Purdy wins the ring this year, none of them are gonna win the ring this year because Mahomes won won the won the AFC. And again, Mahomes can win the AFC, not win the ring, and keep all those guys from winning a ring. So it's like that's the thing now that Mahomes is chasing in his legacy is. The aura, and if he wins this Super Bowl, I don't know if he like catches Brady with the aura at three Super Bowls, but the six conference championships, like you were saying, you were saying, you know, going previewing the game, that just making it to the game was fantastic. But now winning the game, being in the Super Bowl, it's like, how much longer does he have to continue to do this for him to close the gap on that aura? Because if you're taking him in a game, then I get that that's the only thing that Brady has over him at this point, is it not? Is that is that too extreme to say? Am I discounting no, the seven no. Super Bowls too quickly? I mean, it's it's not. And, you know, if he wins this one, you know, that's three, you know, three out of seven. He's on his way to get there. And you look at Brady early in his career and you look at the stats lined up next to each other. And I think people, even the best, even the most 
avid Patriots fans have to admit that some of those early Super Bowls, Brady was carried a little bit. Now, he did figure out how to do it in the moment, but he was a little bit closer to a Brock Purdy than a Mahomes. When you look at making the right plays at the right time, you know, being he was still a dangerous quarterback. We're not saying he was a game manager, and people are saying now, you know, I think people agree that Brock Purdy isn't a game manager either, but not necessarily carrying his team like Mahomes has so far in each of these playoff yeah. runs and to really take them to another level. And so that is why I think it is pretty clear that Mahomes is 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 a better player than Brady was at 28 years old, will be a better player by the end of his career. And, you know, even if he gets to only four or five, oh my gosh, only four or five, but only four <laughs> or five Super Bowl championships, you know, he wins two or three of the more of these things and doesn't quite get to seven. I think, I mean, I think at five, you know, a real argument can be made that he is as good, if not better than Brady. And five just, is the number. I think I, I pretty much put it at five. Just when you look at the kinds of runs he has gone on, Um, you know, four, you could say only half as many, but I think at five, that's where you can have a serious argument. And this Super Bowl is one of those ways to get up there. And, you know, with the Ravens last week, we had the stats, but, you know, I forgot Lamar is Lamar. And they're going up against a very shaky 49ers team. And, you know, I, I want to leave a lot for next week in terms of the actual stuff going on. But, yeah, I mean, I think the path is pretty clear for him to win, you know. And we all know the league wants to see the confetti raining down on Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift on the mm. field. So, you know, we know the league isn't going to be too sad if they can get that on there. But I think that the, you know, Mahomes with this past weekend's win, he's just pretty much outwilled them, outmatched them, outmatched the other team. And, you know, it was a down year for him, but it was also a down year for the AFC. The Bills at one point were 500, um, you know, dealing with their own locker room issues. And Joe Burrow's out, you know, a lot of, you know, Tua and the Dolphins continue to not be able to beat a winning team. There's issues everywhere. Uh, but, you know, it's still, it's still found a way and a will to win. And I, I'm really excited to see how the Super Bowl turns out. But all that to say, Mahomes with this run, you know, I think with his first run, it was the beginning of something special. But it's like, is this a one flash in the pan? Is this a one-time thing? And this is clearly showing that oh, he does belong in the situation. He is one of the greats. He will be mentioned. And, you know, winning this one is definitely a, a huge step in, you know, rising in that milestone. I know like NBA 2K, you're trying to become the GOAT. You have like a milestone thing. And winning this is definitely going to be, a, and he's already has worked on his milestones, just going super high and going to three Super Bowls. I mean, now you're really in rarefied here. Pat Mahomes has the most XP of any player in his 20s ever, is what you're saying? <laughs> Pretty much. The most VC? Most VC. Hey, he's got, he's always kitted out. You know, he's got the arm sleeve. He's got, he's got all of it. But the thing about Mahomes, or the thing about Brady, rather, is like he, like he sort of became the greatest quarterback of all time, right? Like, obviously, like we're saying, the resume was impressive to start. He has the early Super Bowl runs. Like, it's not to discredit him, even though the team was strong. But it was it was the later stuff in his 30s, right? 
where he really separated himself as the greatest quarterback of all time, where he really came back and won all the titles. Outside of those three early titles, he didn't win again in his 20s, right? It was post-30, later on when he finally was able to pull together the runs in New England, and obviously, you know, way later on when he goes to uh, Tampa Bay. Like, in their 20s, I know the stats aren't everything between Brady and Mahomes, but in their 20s, Brady was 20... 21,000 pass yards, 21,500 pass yards. Mahomes is already at 2,800 or uh, 28,400, sorry, 28,000 pass yards. Mahomes passer rating in his 20s, 103 to Brady's 88.4 for Brady as a whole. In his 20s, again, the numbers aren't everything with those guys. Obviously, it's the postseason stuff for Brady too. That's those guys in the regular season. But Mahomes hasn't even had that chance yet. Yeah. Like Mahomes has done all this early on. Like that's the thing. What is Mahomes? Mahomes, you know, uh, obviously, you know, knock on wood. Uh, pause. Like this. Like if he continues, like if he has that next step thing, then it's like it's even more insane for what Mahomes could be. But this is just like the raw, you know, the raw talent of Mahomes. That early stretch, and this first season, I think, is like the first season again with that aura where you're seeing the, oh, the playbook stuff, the football IQ, the intelligence, the leadership, like all of the act, like all of the other stuff that matters when being great, then rather than just like the, then obviously the football talent, like this is the first season where I think that stuff is really starting to be at a prime, like really starting to be at the peak of its powers. And like, again, he did all of the first stuff based on just, his raw, like that's just that's just him playing football his first couple of years. Obviously, he's a smart football player, and he's you know one of the, if not the smartest in the league. But the the IQ level that he is going to be at, like he's going to be at that Brady pl- place at some point. Where I know I know Colin Coward had just had Brady on in an interview, and he said that Brady had got to a point where he had just said, you know, I I've seen everything. Like there's nothing they they can throw at me. I've seen everything. Like Mahomes, he's going to get to that point. And when Mahomes gets to that point, it's going to be like, well, what then does it look like? Cause again, he's already done this just based on, you know, his ability early on to start his career. It's only six year in the league and he's just been this impressive. So when, when did you realize that you had the greatest quarterback of all time? Mm-hmm. When, 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 when did, when did you know? When he had 50 touchdowns in his first full season. Uh, I mean, it's definitely been earlier on. And I think the comeback, you know, all the comebacks in that uh, first postseason really, um, really showed that there's real greatness here. And I think an interesting thing to note with Brady is that when he was the focus of the team, when he was in his prime, when he was putting up those ridiculous stats, that's the years they didn't really win. And, you know, there is obviously the Falcons Super Bowl, which the Moss you know, years. Forever, he will forever be, you know, as Brady's crowning jewel um, in that Super Bowl, winning that. But like you mentioned, with the Moss years, when you look at the undefeated season, when you look at, you know, his great statistical seasons, it's seasons they didn't win. It's, it's seasons that they fell short. And, you know, you look at some of the Super Bowls, like against the Rams, what was that? Six to nine. You know, they have the Super Bowl against the Seahawks where it's, you know, I mean, they should have won that game. And, you know, he they have that goal line stand. Malcolm Butler gets the interception. You look at some of those yeah. early championships, you know, where they where they have those, you know, Brewski and Bridget, and all, Ty Law and all those great defensive guys. 
So you look at each of those, you look at the, the Super Bowl teams and most of the time when they're winning, it was because of their defense and, you know, shout out to Bill Belichick. So I just think that when you look at Brady's career, how contrast to, um, uh, to Mahomes, you can see almost a similar contrast to MJ and LeBron where MJ, you know, with his seasons, those early, you know, rookie seasons, he was having great scoring uh, great scoring outbursts, but he wasn't really winning. And it was until they added Rodman, until they added, you know, some pieces, even with the second run with Horace Grant, when they had, um, when they had, when he had Scottie Pippen, when he had those pieces around him, that's when he's really was winning. And you can see with LeBron, you know, when he has these huge outbursts, you know, in the finals with all these crazy games, it was, um, it was, it was, still finding a way to win so I, I think it's just the contrast and uh really it's going to be interesting the next couple of years to see how the Chiefs continue to do it and um whether they can keep on going because the AFC West isn't getting any easier shout out to Jim Harbaugh in there you know Sean Payton another mm. year with him and the Raiders actually have a coach who the team believes in so it's it's and then we already know what's in the AFC. It's definitely going to be one. It's going to be a tough ride. Um, you know, no one could say that it was you know cupcake path to these Super Bowls. Um, and uh, I'm really interested to see. But I think you know this past run definitely has to be you know up there with Mahomes. Probably the second you know toughest run he's had getting to the Super Bowl. Is this like wait? So this is his second toughest run getting to the Super Bowl. Not yeah, I think the first, I think the very first one was the hardest. I mean, he was down every single game. Um, and uh yeah, I don't, you know, the the Miami game was kind of almost given to him, you know. So is his first Super Bowl still like like you said, Brady's crowning jewels, the Falcons is Mahomes is his yeah, dual I think cause. Being being first, down double one? digits, yeah, being down double digits in the Super Bowl. You know, in the AFC Championship, having to grind that out against an underrated um, Titans team. You know, the Texans game. Um, I feel like I'm forgetting one game in there. There's uh, uh, because it was were they in wild card? They might not have been. Yeah, I think it was only those three. I don't know why I'm feeling Houston, Tennessee, one. San Francisco. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. So those three and being down double digits in each of them. Yeah. 10 touchdowns. His only picks were in the Super Bowl that year. Almost yeah. a thousand yards in those three games as well. Yeah. 111 quarterback rate. So his his quarterback rating in the first two games was 134 against Houston and then 120 versus Tennessee. And then 78 versus San Francisco. What? So wait, that but that one has the drop in it though. The Jimmy G drop. That doesn't does that. Does that get like a whiff of the Brady, the Russell Wilson interception at the goal line? The yeah, Jimmy a little G bit, overthrowing the guy? I mean, there is that third and 15, you know, and, you know, Williams does bring it home. But, you know, for him having to be the one to bring it Wait, was that a Tyreek Hill? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The third and 15 play. That's um, true. That was, that was pretty much where the game was decided. And then after that, the Chiefs just go on a run, so. Um, and then in the Titans game, he had that scramble right near halftime where, you know, he has like three, four guys tackling him, drags it in for the score. And, uh, you know, and then and then with the Texans, you know, that was more of a team win. But, um, yeah, having those individual plays in the AFC Championship and Super Bowl, 
to not only turn the score, but definitely the tie in terms of momentum and stuff. Yeah, 51, outscoring a team 51 to 7 in like two quarters is pretty crazy. I feel like, was Deshaun Watson, was he ever the same after that? Was that the turning point for him? Maybe, I think so. That was it. How worried are how worried are you about Jim Harbaugh? A little bit. I, I mean, Justin Herbert is a is I think a very talented but not quite used well quarterback, and I'm really excited to see how Harbaugh uses him. I think this team has a lot of talent, and Harbaugh is going to be the catalyst that really gets them going, which is why I'm kind of scared because they need someone who is a culture guy like Harbaugh, who you know brings that toughness. And, uh, you know, maybe a little abrasive. And they need someone a little abrasive because what they're doing doesn't work. I thought he went on with Coward, though. I think actually today when we're recording this, Friday, he was on the Coward show today. And Coward asked him a pretty interesting question. But, like, Jim Harbaugh has been out of the the league for a decade. He he was in Michigan for nine years. Like, I don't know. You know, I'm I'm a Michigan fan, so people are going to. People are not going to take anything I say seriously about Jim Harbaugh. But yeah. Does that I does that matter at all? Being out of the league for a whole decade, ten years. I mean, it's not like he was sitting at home on the couch. He no, was still I, coaching. He's, he's still watching film. So he's coaching college football, but I don't, I don't know. I don't think it matters too much. I mean, he's been preparing for a job like this for years and years. I mean, we've heard the rumors for how long? Like, I think he should be getting. You don't think he should have stayed? Is what you're saying? Why do you think, Ryan? Should he have stayed? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think he left at the perfect time if he wanted to leave, which seems like he did. So, would I you mean, rather? What better time to leave than during right after you bring a ring home? Would you rather have Jim Harbaugh and Justin Herbert or Shane Steichen and Anthony Richardson? In my division, uh, definitely Shane Steichen and Anthony. <laughs> oh Richardson. no! On your team. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, on my division. In my division. Anyway, no, but so that, was supposed to, what? <laughs> that was supposed to be a little detour. Um, but, you know, Rem is always in the lab working on these segments. And he has a couple of trades for us. Hopefully none of them involving LeBron. I'm looking at you, ESPN. I don't know. Mm. You know, it, it is interesting, you know, the thought idea that, you know, ESPN is a media company. And having LeBron move would be huge for business. I don't know. But – Hopefully not involving LeBron. Rem, what should some couple of teams do right before the deadline this upcoming Thursday? Am I right, Thursday? Next, yeah, I guess next Thursday. Is that the right way to say it? What is, here, let's see what next Thursday is. That would be the best way to say it. The 8th. The The trade deadline is February 8th, sometime in the afternoon, depending on which part of the country you're in. We've kind of talked about it too as well. The trade deadline thing is going to be interesting to see this year with the new uh, CBA in place, what these teams were able to do. I, I would say like the, the thing is I can't, I can't say like there's going to be that there's nothing is going to happen because stuff ha- already has happened. Like Pascal Siakam got traded. OG Ananobi got traded. So yeah. there have been, there have been big moves that have been made. You know, James Harden got traded in season as well too. So again, there have been, and there big was another moves. trade too. What was the trade that just happened? Was it a big trade? Uh, oh, Depot. Oh, for oh, Steven Adams. Adams. <laughs> Adams, yeah. Adams went to yeah. the Heat, right? 
for Oladip or for the Rockets. He went to the Rockets. He went to the Rockets. Yeah, they needed they needed some, but you know, not super huge. But but when Bleacher Report Bleacher Report posted the graphic of the trade and Oladipo is on the Rockets like when he is traded, but yeah. on the graphic he's in a Heat jersey. So I guess he just never checked in for. <laughs> The Rockets, so I guess that's a salary cap move. Steven Adams, yeah. salary dump. I mean, Depot, yeah, yeah, he's barely played. Like, I don't know. Maybe are the Grizzlies tanking? Mm. Yeah. Will that will that uh come up later in the mm. the fake trades? So the first trade is uh LeBron to the Knicks for picks. Hmm. Who says no? LeBron for picks? LeBron to the Knicks. Who says no? Oh, my gosh. All right, moving on. <laughs> next next one. But <laughs> but again, back to the, back to the trade deadline. Uh, I, I, I don't want to say it's going to be like that. Nothing is going to happen. Yeah, who knows? Maybe maybe yeah. a bunch of little moves happen. But the trade machine is is tough right now. And yeah. do you what what would you say are like the lead rumor guys? Hmm. Who do you think? I guess DeJounte Murray, right? It's like the obvious number. He seems to be the yeah. number one. Yeah, he's really hot right now. Is Mitchell is Mitchell a media rumor guy, or is that like an actual is that just like a media wish list guy, or is that like actual insiders are saying he's on the move? Yeah, I, I don't I think yeah, I think there's still, you know, they he's he is thinking about leaving. I do think that's a legit um thing i've heard out of the calf um, how much longer is he under contract um but we'll, we'll see i don't know calves have with mitchell he's been playing really well i don't know i heard broadcaster you know was calling him the best player in the league i don't know if we go that Whoa. far but but wait been, wait but but he can't be the right best now. player in the wait so he's the best player in the league but scotty barnes is actually the face of the league yeah yeah did i get two that different right roles. two okay. different roles yep um let me see here. Yeah, I definitely. I it'll be interesting to see. I I just I'm just it's crazy that these rumors are happening. Oh, about LeBron. I mean, I'm surprised. You know, I I think I I think it is. I thought there would be definitely um, Russell D'Angelo Russell would be the one traded, and you know, on X King James puts the you know time clock sign, and it's like I don't know. It was interesting. There was even a clip online of like them asking about his teammates and he's like, Oh, I just want them to do their job. And then uh, someone cut him off and someone said it was a reporter, but I'm pretty sure. And one of my sources are telling me it was the team morale support, like coordinator or something like that. Wait, get, say that title paid. again. It's like the morale coordinator or something like team morale coordinator. And I guess apparently they get paid 120 thousand just to make sure the team doesn't mess up and lebron says mm. himself he's about to say something um in cali but, though you know 120 in la that's not like making bank but there was there the morale coordinator okay so i've got so. the i've got the front office pulled up on real gm brian felix is the team chef shout out Oh, um, Big Dom, security officer? No, no, Big, Big Dom. Dom. Um, but I do think it is interesting that, you know, the media is definitely trying to get something out of LeBron. They want a soundbite of him just going off on his teammates. And he's not doing it, but we know behind the doors he's 
looking to trade someone. So we'll see. Wait, Brenda Bush, director of mental health and wellness. Uh, Could that be it? So. Might have been fake news too. You know, sources could be wrong. Whoa, full stack developer. How's that? That's crazy. Huh? I shout out Bleacher Report for revamping their page. I haven't seen this before. Oh, IG, the app. Yeah. No, uh, Bleacher Report. On IG. Their, no, no, their website. Lawrence Tanter, public address announcer. Baker girls. Wait. So who uh, else? So, was, so who else? Wait. Wait quickly. Who else? Who else would you say are top names on the market? Um, I think D'Angelo Russell should be up there. Um, I you know I know the Warriors. So you're saying guys that are available, not not the guys that teams want. Yeah. No. I. I mean. I think like the Warriors have said they're not trading. Clay or Dre, I don't know why. Like, mm. it's kind of it's kind of hurting my head that they're not. Uh, let me see. I think, yeah, Donovan Mitchell, like you mentioned, is already there. Um, yeah, because the Knicks are still trying to get him. Um, I think they they mentioned they tried. Is there to, reports? Yeah, I guess they tried to get uh, Fournier, Grimes, and draft picks for him. Yeah. Hmm. Is that enough for Mitchell for you? Grimes and picks. Um, if he's gonna leave anyway, if he's gonna walk on you, and you kind of have to take whatever you can get. So his contract uh, right now, by the way, too, he's under contract this year. Obviously, next year for thirty. This year for thirty-two. Next year for thirty-four, yeah. and then he's got a player option for thirty-seven. So you're he probably opts out of that and takes the Jalen Brown money. Yeah, I'm not. I'm trying to think. I mean, thing, he definitely wants the Jalen Brown one. I guess, but if you're the Cavs, would you just trade? Would you just trade him next year? I mean, yeah, but I I know that they, I mean they got to be still fielding offers. They're not going to listen to people talking. Knicks were really close to signing Joel. I think before he went to the cab, they're definitely we'll see if they can continue to chase after him. But wait, yeah, I mean, who? it is interesting to see Mitchell. Oh, okay. they did want to, or they did want to get him, uh, trade for him. But it is interesting to see how many guards are out there, um, to be traded when you talk about, you know, I guess Mitchell might be more forward, but somewhere there, DeJounte Murray, you know, like I mentioned, D'Angelo Russell. Uh, um, yeah, I don't know. And there's just saying people aren't available. I don't know. It's very much uh, up in the air in terms of legitimate people can get traded. But right now, it seems like the main one is uh, DeJounte Murray. Other teams, there's players they could get rid of. You know, when you look at, um, let's see, when you look at Highland and P.J. Tucker, uh, you know, players they could get players, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie as well. Uh, there's there's players out there, but yeah, I don't know. Beyond Murray, I don't know if there's any that uh team is actually interested in. Yeah, you seem to be right. The public the at least right now, publicly, the trade market seems to be pretty limited. And I did actually want to ask you about the Lakers too quickly. So this is a a, a good yeah. segue, but 
with with D'Angelo Russell, like this is no shots at D'Angelo Russell, but like because again, like I've said it before, I I I I like D'Angelo Russell. D'Angelo Russell is one of my like secret closeted secret like favorite players. I've always liked his game secretly, but and yeah, I, I guess not secretly anymore. But uh-uh. if, like he just he works best with LeBron, right? Like he's just mm-hmm. the thing is he's just not going to do the same. He's not going to have the same impact on another team. So I don't like I don't if if he is the if he is name wise the top guy on the trade market again I don't know of another team that say that's bring him in saying he's the piece that we need because I think the Lakers are that team for him I think the Lakers are the team that need his shooting ability and the offensive boost that he can give at times and to be honest like up until did you watch any of the game last night with uh, Austin Reeves going off. Because oh, I, no, I didn't catch that Look up the box score real quick for Austin Reeves. I forget exactly what he had, but he was, I think he was at, you know, like 20 in the in the first half. The shooting numbers were efficient yeah. as well. But the thing that Russell has been giving him lately, and pause, and you know, they haven't necessarily been winning a ton. So, you know, who knows how much the impact stuff this of this stuff matters, but like the shooting that Reeves had provided him, Russell was giving him because Reeves' shooting had been up and down this year. And up, you know, I did have some Reeves fake trades in here. I'm not going to lie. I had a couple of Austin Reeves fake trades I was going to throw at you. And then he went off last night and I deleted them all. And Mm. (laughs) and I was like, okay, the skills that he brings to this team is actually too valuable. They probably can't get rid of him. And there's some contract stuff in there as well, too, that is beneficial for the stars that they have. But his shooting actually has been valuable for that team. And I don't know if there's another team where it provides that equal value for him. Um, was it against? We're talking about the Celtics. Uh, yeah. He hit, yeah, hit uh, seven three pointers. Um, they mm. beat the Celtics without LeBron or AD. Or AD. So that's crazy. That's that's kind of inexcusable by Celtics. Shout out to them for. I guess they just gave up on their home record. Um. Having the having uh all-time great home record. Let me see if I can pull up some numbers from it. But yeah, I mean, Austin Reeves is untradeable, and he should have been already untradeable before. But yeah, Reeves had a season high 32 points, where he had three uh seven three pointers. And you know, there are times um where you can like watch Reeves and be like, oh, is this guy, you know. There's times there are there are flashes of just him being mediocre, you know, kind of kind of chilling. But you know, reasons why he wasn't super high draft pick. But you know, when he has the ball, when he's in the rhythm and he's getting his shots up and uh, gets the like we can see when he gets the usage rate, he's definitely a really good guard, really great guard that the the Lakers need. They need this kind of shooting. They need a Reeves type player. And it's something that I don't know. For some reason, LeBron doesn't think he needs shooters, but that's literally what his best teams have had. So mm. I just, you know, Reeves is kind of the only player I wouldn't trade besides AD on this team. Um, AD and LeBron, obviously, but um, yeah, I mean, he's definitely he's definitely uh, second on that list. But yeah, shout out to the Celtics. That's they had their whole team. Shout there too. out. I don't. I don't even know what they're doing. What the heck? We need to we we need to 
make up an alternate term for a shout out. Like, obviously we're not, we don't want to, we're not like dissing a team, but it's like a, it's like a, Hey, you know, obviously you guys didn't show up tonight. We need like a one word yeah. term for like an ant for, I guess, I guess, is it just a call out? Yeah. Call out. Instead of out. a shout out. Call out the Celtics. Yeah. I don't know. Hey, I don't know if this is, is a, a call loss. out. I don't know if this is a call out or a shout out, but Devin Vassell just missed a game winner. Game oh winning three against the Pelicans. They lose 114 to 113. I don't know. Mm. Sideline out of bounds. Only you only need one point. Is that like a, a lob to Wemby around the rim and see what happens? Who knows? But it was a good look. I'm not gonna lie. It was a good look from Vassell. And in yeah. a big moment, I trust that guy to hit it to to knock it down like a playoff game. I trust him, but so, I'm not, so, I, no call out for Vassell, but anyway. how much were they down? Or was it tight? Were they down by one? One point game. I don't I don't understand going for three when you're down by one. Like just take the layup, get the contact, or get a foul. A lot of those times you go for contact, you know, especially if you're a star, you know, maybe, you know, the the Spurs aren't there yet in terms of having a Spurs star, but at least get a chance to have the contact and go for the layup, which is just a straight up easier shot. And I know, you know, that's one of the laziest basketball things to say is just go to the right, go to the hoop. But I mean, right, draw up a play to get open around the rim, like you mentioned before, Webby or something. I don't understand going for three. Is Vassell, is Vassell an all star snub? Oh my gosh. No, I don't, I don't think he should be an all star, but. Wemby, is Vassell, I, I, I'd would you vote for Vassell for over Wemby. Bradley Beal? I'd, I'd vote for Wemby. Mm. Wait, was you... Bradley Beal an All-Star? No, I just throwing out a guy. Oh, uh, okay. I didn't. I was like, I don't think I saw that. He's uh, better than All-Star. Yeah, no, he has been. Uh, shout out Former to uh, Maxi though, making it as a making it as a All-Star reserve. Um. Okay, I can. I let me throw the first trade at you. Let me. Uh, All right. Let me Check get into it, it because, the, like we said, the trade deadline is next Thursday. So by the next time we record, we will be past trade deadline. It'll be. This is the last time we can talk fake trades and they can actually happen. So I'm just. Yeah. This, I'm just unloading all of the fake trades. Pause that I've that I've got here. Okay, I was about to say no pause. Well, uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what happens. And like we said, since the rumor mill is quiet right now. I went, these aren't like necessarily like trendy trades. These are just trades. These are just yeah. on the trade machine, seeing what's out there, just throwing it at the wall. We'll, we'll run it by our guy, see Sam, and see what he says. This first trade, I'll, I'm just throwing the, this is like an old trade. This is, okay. I made, I think I made this trade in like December. So <laughs> it hasn't really aged. All but gold. Yeah. It hasn't really aged to the point where I think it would say yes, but it's interesting. I wanted to say, I wanted to still throw it at you. Who says no? Just to let, just to warm the people up and let the people know where we're at for the, for the notebook. Big trade number one: Timberwolves Suns. Who says no? Kevin Durant for Carl Anthony Towns and Kyle Anderson. Mm. Who says I no? I think the. Oh. I think the. Is I that mean, a good I start? Is that a hot start? No. Um, I think, I think it is interesting. I think, I think you could, you could definitely make someone think about that, especially if you throw in a pick or two, even for a the, second rounder. For the Wolves? Yeah, like, for the Wolves. Like to get Durant? Yeah. Um, 
maybe in a year or two, you know, if Durant starts taking a step back. But yeah, I don't know. The That's thing a good is, one. Phoenix is playing a little bit better lately. The offense is starting to yeah, no, come together. Good. Bradley Beal's getting out there a little bit more consistently. So, and, and again, the Timberwolves still remain number one in the East. The the thing like with this trade is, you go well, you lose Towns. Like Nas Reed is good, and they they yeah. did like you know I they didn't they gave him the bag for a bench guy this year, but it's not like he's like overpaid. Yeah, but he is worth every penny, and. Like I'm just like is is that is that reasonable just player to player like a Towns for Durant like thing like could the Timberwolves see themselves getting better by doing that trade bringing Durant uh, or yeah, is Towns think, is Towns still valuable to that team is what I'm asking basically yeah I do think it is valuable for the Timberwolves um if you're bringing a Kevin Durant instead of um you know a proven winner uh, still shooting pretty much big I mean Katie's pretty much almost seven feet and. Uh, mm -hmm. To bring him into that role, you're just going to have to keep him happy. And uh, he's shown that he doesn't want to be happy. And uh, he, or he's shown that, you know, he tends to be a little temperamental. And um, I think, you know, especially for a smaller market like that, you're just shooting yourself in the foot trying to trade for Kitty. But I do think it is a very interesting trade. And uh, I do like it kind of for both teams. Uh you know, getting a little younger with, uh, with with Phoenix, Phoenix receiving him, and then uh, Timberwolves may be able to speed up that timeline since they are playing so well this year. So, mm -hmm. you know, I I see where it's coming from, but yeah, there's just too many issues with Katie. Um, and a uh, Booker for, Towns, for so yes. Booker Towns reuniting, the Kentucky yeah. days, get the teammates back sure. together. Again, I think where these teams are at, I think the teams would want to see the Suns are playing too well. The Timberwolves are playing too well for, I think, them to yeah. make a move. But I think Nas, Nas Reed is good. And, yeah, uh, no, he's in, definitely good. In December, the idea of saying, hey, what could we turn Carl Anthony Towns to seemed a little bit more interesting. Wait, are all the games done? There's no more background games? Oh, no, Nuggets, Nuggets Blazers. Okay. Yeah, I'm watching that right now. They were tied, but... Now the Nuggets are starting to take it over in the third quarter. Now, like third quarter Warriors. Now Wait, it's, it's on Ball Arena. Shout out. It's it's saying it's saying. So League Pass, if you if you guys have League Pass, you know this, but it doesn't let you watch the in market games. So like the the mm, regional yeah. teams, you can't watch on League Pass because you need to watch it on the the regional sports networks. Mm -hmm. And it's saying, it's saying I'm in the. Just in the region enough. for it's saying I'm in the region for for Blazers Nuggets. I'm in Iowa. Close enough. I have a rant about that, but I'll save it for another day. Okay, next mm, fake I'll next next fake trade. Well, here let me just ask: Have you have you watched the Knicks at all since the Anunoby trade? We didn't really talk about the mm. Anunoby trade either because we talked about it on a Tuesday pod. But I've been hearing very very good things from the Knicks. Just I know Anunoby is one playing. of your guys. Tibbs, yeah, I just been hearing, you know, Tibbs. I, I think I watched a little bit. Their defense has been stellar. Um, you know, Tibbs is just happy. You're just getting these guys playing really, really hard. Um, you know, Josh Hart also there is a great, um, tough dude. And um, yeah, I know he's I think filling it, in for Randall. 
And it's it's definitely, you know, the team that Tibbs wants. You know, Randall probably is the loose, is probably the one loose screw in terms of hustle and, you know, just getting shots. But everyone else, it's kind of like no ego. You know, they're all there to work. And it, it's very, it's very hard and uh, very, um, they're very, uh, very hustle group and effort group. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see how they do in the playoffs in the first round if they keep this up. You know, I mean, we saw last year the Bucks got knocked down in the first round. So mm. it is possible. And, you know, you just need Brunson to get hot for a little bit. And if you're just looking at the standings right now, too, in the East, they, they're up to number three right now. They're going into, mm. so again, we're recording this Friday night, going into, going into tonight. They're at 32 wins. 32 yeah. wins is actually tied with the Bucks for number two. The Bucks are mm. 32 and 16. The Nugget or the Knicks are 32 and 17. And I think the the Bucks might hold a tiebreaker in there as well, too. I think the Bucks might have a win over the the Knicks that matter. But if you're just looking big picture now at teams that can actually like win the East, I do, I do actually think that a couple of these teams have a like big concerns. If, so Boston, obviously number one, I think they can obviously win the East, but Milwaukee at number two, like they can win the East, but the doc rivers thing taking over mid season. I don't know if you have thoughts about that as well too, but that seems just like a real red flag. If we're talking about, can a team make a run and actually, you know, win the East win, you know, get into the finals. In the Sixers, you know, the Embiid thing, now that he's hurt, it's like, okay, well, now you see why he missed in Denver. But if, yeah. you know, like the 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 injury thing, but again, I guess maybe it's not winning the East, but if the finals are in Denver, like he hasn't played in Denver in five years, there's altitude there, that becomes an issue. So I do, I do actually think now that big picture, they're in the conversation. I do think they have the ability to win the, con- like, I don't know if they'll actually be able to pull the run together. Like Stephen A said on first take today that, he doesn't believe that the team will actually do it. He he said that his expectation is get to the conference championship and he'll be ecstatic. But I mean, with the way Brunson's playing right now, like Brunson's just a legit number one. And I know people are going to go, oh, well, maybe he should have, like he obviously should have been an all-star starter. He, he you know, he should have. He, he got my vote as well. But sometimes being a snub is a good thing. And I do think he kind of took that personally because since then, I mean, he's been outstanding and the Ananobi trade is part of that. But, I mean, he's playing as a legit number one. The Ananobi thing gives him defense. I know Randall's out right now, but in the depth is yeah. a concern. But in terms of a playoff rotation, they have six or seven guys. I think they're right in the mix. I think if Brunson keeps playing like this, they're right in the mix. Yeah, no, Brunson has been someone that we've continued to watch as he grows. And, you know, it is, it's tough because there's just so many good guards in the NBA that, you know, he kind of gets – you know, thrown underneath, you know, he kind of gets hit in. Even if he is in New York City, you know, you still look at the big-time stars, you know, you still got uh, Curry but here's up there. The, here's the SCA, thing. Donchick. Here's the but thing. With, it's just tough to for him to break through. Here's the thing with Brunson. Sorry to interrupt, but here's the thing with Very Brunson good. that people need. I think with the guard conversation with Brunson, Brunson is just different than other guards. And I know, like, you know, not to call out a guy like Maxi, but, you know, you get, like, <laughs> yeah, the the – the maxi Simon, like, like the way Brunson can control a game, the pace that he plays at, the playmaking, the way he can get other guys involved, the way he can elevate other guys' games, his just 
his overall mastery in the pick and roll is just, it's different than other guards in the league. And I think when we're talking about the guard position, I do think that, you know, guys like Brunson, I think Halliburton might as well, might be in that category as well too. Like with Brunson, like the team is constructed now. If with Brunson as a lead guy, I think they could beat the bucks in a playoff series. Like he has the he has the ability scoring wise, and again the pace and control, he could go toe to toe with Giannis, and it's not the same. It's not the same thing as you know Jokic going toe to toe or Embiid, yeah. where you know it's one on one. They're actually you know going at each other. Whatever. Pause. But I I do think he has the ability to lead a team against these these other top teams. And again, with the the it's not just like hey he can beat Giannis, but it's the Bucks right now with Doc Rivers with Dame Lillard in the defense. They don't have a guy that can really throw up Brunson to stop him. Like same, same with the, the Sixers really like the other night, w- were they playing the Celtics the other night? And he just, uh, no, I think, I think Reeves Reeves was the one that cooked through holiday. They played, yeah, uh, yeah. played somebody else, but maybe, maybe it was the magic. He was, he was just like another good defensive guard. And he was just like cooking them. Nobody can the heat the other night. He dropped like 40 plus against like, he just can't be stopped. I just, I think that the honor trade really made a difference. And I think it, I was like, okay, this obviously makes them a better team, but I think this makes them now they can go toe to toe with these top teams. I think they're capable of beating these top teams in a playoff series. Can they actually do it? Is the next like that's the next question, and maybe that this maybe that's what this playoff run is to accomplish. But I do think this team is talented enough, and Brunson is playing well enough they can do it. Uh, in the last ten games, Brunson has been our last ten games he played. Brunson's been averaging thirty two. Six and a half assists, so pretty much seven, four rebounds, shooting 51% from the field, 39 from three, and 84 from the free throw line. Much. So he's been playing bananas. He's, he's, he's been playing, he's been playing out of his mind. And you know, you could point a little bit, you know, to the schedule. They, you know, they did just play Charlotte, Utah, and the Pacers in their last three games. But this is a team that is perfect for the regular season. It's a team that hustles, that is, like we already mentioned, already really tough, has one of the better defenses in the league. And I think they're consistent day in, day out. They're always ready to play. Um, You know, let's see here. I think they are on a winning streak here, actually. Where, Where is it at? Um, they beat Denver by 38, nine games, nine game win streak. Yeah. And now the, 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 I mean, Denver was not ready to play that game. They were, they were out of it. I think it was, might've been over almost by halftime. I mean, they were, yeah. They were, it, that was definitely a punch. Brunson took 10 shots. Uh, but yeah, nine, nine winning game streak. And, you know, I, I, for me, I have to see it before I believe it. I, I don't know if I go that's that fair. far. Because in the playoffs, the playoffs have just not been kind to small guards. It's just it's just a playoff rule, and it's one that, you know, there are exceptions when you look at Curry, when you look at some of the success that, you know, other, I guess, maybe Mitchell, you know, he did get knocked out a lot um, earlier on, you know, second round, really didn't make it far. But when you look at most of the teams that are in the finals, you know, they have that big guy. In terms of you know Giannis, Jokic, um, even you know LeBron, AD, um, even with the Celtics, they have that size with Jalen Brown, and Tatum, and um, you know they you can always fire back with 
you know, a couple examples here and there. But yeah, I think I think I'd have to see it to believe it. I mean, I think Brunson is legit um, in terms of being a real basketball talent. Um, I think he does have potential to be a number one. He just needs a really good number two and, and three. And he needs uh, Randall to have the production that he has during the regular season in the playoffs and, you know, to play at his nah, high yeah. level. I mean, it's just it's just tough. So I, I think in terms of, you know, maybe talent wise, you know, I think Brunson, you could make an argument. He is up there with some of these top guys. I don't know if I'd go like top, top guys, but I think, you know, four or five, you know, you look at guys like AD, you look at guys like, you know, Brown. I think you look at, you know, some some second options out here. I think he's right there. But I think his him being small and just and with teams allowed to be more physical in the playoffs, it's going to hurt him, especially with him not being a superstar. He's just not going to get the same calls as a Giannis, as a Tatum, as even a Donovan Mitchell. And um, mm. those are – and with the margins that the games are at, you know, it turns a, a, a nine-point win into a five-point win or, you know, five-point into a three-point loss. So I think it's just when the margins get a lot thinner and players are allowed to be a lot more physical, that's when those small guards really get exposed or really get, you know, really get pushed around and stuff. And, you know, Brunson did all he could. I mean, we watched last year and he was playing. He did all he could. And, you know, his teammate didn't – teams didn't pick him up. So we'll see if it's this year again. But, yeah, I don't know if I'd put him on that level. But he is playing out of his mind right now. And that's why they're third in the East, you know, outside – you know, tied with the Bucks. And, and the Randall point is a great point too. But the, is, is the Brunson thing like you're saying – I mean – what you're saying is it feels a little Steve Nashy, I think. And I think that yeah. makes a, a, a lot of sense. I guess my point with Brunson is the team is constructed in a way where he, if he's playing good enough, they can't, you know, the, the team as a whole can beat these teams. But part of that, like you're saying is Randall has been good during this stretch as well, too. Mm-hmm. And the playoff numbers for Randall, especially last year, like he, he can't do yeah. that. If they're they're, they're going to make a run. Can't. They need Randall. You know, they have the guys to be able to get away with it in the regular season, but they're going to need him if uh, they make a playoff run. They're number one in the number one in the league in net rating since making the OG Ananobi trade. Best team in the league. Fifteen games, mm-hmm. thirteen and two. Best record in the league as well. So Shout Brunson, out. obviously the lead guy in that. Third in the league in fourth quarter scoring, fourth quarter points per game over that stretch. Mitchell actually number one. Giannis two. Mitchell obviously playing well, but yeah. Brunson, I think clearly on All NBA this point. At this point, if uh, Rudy Gobert goes around and touches the mics in the league. Mm, maybe, the the maybe league maybe just not. ends, shuts down. <laughs> I think Brunson is on all NBA. I do have a couple of Knicks trades I want to ask you about, but I'm going to save them because, well, you'll see why I'm going to save them. But let me throw this, this other trade at you real quickly. Again, this is just, this is just trade machine. This is just sitting around just thinking of trades. Popping out trades. You did mention the Grizzlies earlier. Did you say that on air? Did you say that off air? The Grizzlies? I said it just now. Yeah. They're, they're tanking. So the the Thunder need another piece. Mm-hmm. What if Bane? The, the, I I did think about Bane. The problem with Bane right now is he's on a poison pill contract. So he's <laughs> he's he's on his rookie. He's on the last year of his rookie deal. So oh. if the team that trades him, the number that they're sending out is his rookie number. So you're trading him, you're sending away $3 million, 
but the team receiving him is receiving him at the extension number or a, a little bit less. So the oh, team yeah. receiving him is receiving him at like $30 million. So, mm. you know, they basically have to be able to have the cap space to, you know, get close to signing a guy at that level. And especially at this point, it becomes difficult in season two trade up, you know, a poison yeah. pill type guy. So I did really try to think of a couple of Desmond Bain trades and just couldn't get it done. But the other core guy there, Triple J. Mm. What if, what if the, so this is the Thunder giving up. Maybe you can modify this trade as well too, but I got Case and Wallace, Lou Dort and Bertons and picks. Oh. The Thunder get back Triple J and Luke Kennard. Oh, okay. So because that's like just Wallace, Triple J, that's a lot. Case and Wallace, Wallace, Bertons, and or you know the Bertons contract, Lou Dort, and then I have down three first round picks. But again, you can modify however you like. And then for Jaron Jackson and Luke Kennard, they don't need a star. Are we good? Can you hear me? Uh, yeah, you're they good. don't need a star. They don't need. I don't think they need a top guy like that. I don't know if they even need to give that much. Uh, the OKC. And so, you know, Triple J, he's going to want his shots. He's going to want his stuff. I think they just need a big body. But I do think the Grizzlies are a great team to look at to trade with. Um, When you look at, you know, and again, I don't know if these guys are injured. They may not be. uh, But when you look at it like a Xavier Tillman, when Mm -hmm. you look at uh, who else do they have here? Brandon Clark. I think Brandon Clark's been out all year. Um, yeah. So he won't be coming back. But yeah, I mean, you know, players like that, though, a just a big body, honestly, who can take the blows for Chet, I think is a great idea. And I don't know if you need to go all the way to the edge. I mean, Jaron Jackson Jr. is kind of their best player. I mean, I think uh, Desmond right now. Bain is also out. Yeah. yeah, they have so many players out that he's kind of their guy. So I, I think right now they're definitely in a let's take a breath we can come back next year and see what happens. I think an interesting um I think an interesting trade could be maybe you could see if you can pry Walker Kessler from the Jazz. I don't know if he's untradeable. Oh, would they do that? I don't know if he's untradeable. You do walk, you know, Walker Kessler. How maybe, much does Danny Ainge like Giddy? You know, I, how much does Presty like Giddy? I, I think Giddy could definitely be a player they phase out. But, yeah, I think Walker Kessler would be a better – Especially you know, if Case and Wallace is not in the trade, and then you're just thinking, well, Case and Wallace is kind of taking the Giddy minutes. Exactly. I mean, like, Giddy's game is kind of limited. You know, he just – I mean, you know, you'll like Giddy, but, like – And here's the thing. I will know. say, in Giddy's defense, I know, you know, we <laughs> we're just finally talking about Josh Giddy again. But, I like, he is nice to have. I was watching a game the other night and you're like, okay, the Thunder have enough guys where he's like, if Giddy is like your seventh best player, he is nice to have, Mm -hmm. but I just think they could use a different skill set in those minutes potentially. And just, you know, if they're going to make a move or, you know, again, they have the guys to fill those minutes if they were to make a move for Again, Giddy's a good player to have. It's why he's a attractive trade asset. What about Gafford? Daniel Gafford. I think that's a great idea. I think think Gafford. Gafford. It's exactly someone who you need. Um, that kind of defensive. Just that was someone. my practical one. They need it. They need. They just need. You know, not even like a goon like they used to call him, but just a big body to to deal with. Um, and I don't. You know, not even someone who definitely not someone who needs to score, who needs the offensive part because they they got plenty of scoring. They're fine with that. 
but they need someone on the defensive end just to get get some touches. I think. Let me see. I think the Magic had someone on their roster. I don't. I don't have their full roster pulled up in front of me. More is it Wagner. Up? Wagner. I don't know. Is it's it the a, the big guy? Uh, maybe the plus minus that, for Bitsita is off the charts. It was earlier other, in the season, right, lady. Anyways, the other Wagner brother, Mo. They can't trade Mo. Mo. Yeah. Get Package Mo. deal. Get Mo. There has to be someone out there. Someone out there. I had Gafford oh. down as the as like the practical version of a a guy they could go yeah. get, and they. There was a game against the the Spurs played the Wizards the other night and Gafford just destroyed Wemby. Like he he the thing with Jackson is Jackson is not like he is obviously good at defensive player of the year, but he's not like a physically yeah. dominant defender. You know, I wouldn't say he's like an imposing rim protection type guy. Having mm-hmm. him in Chet there would be interesting, but I think weirdly, like a guy like Gafford, who is just like you're saying, just a little more brutal than a guy like Jaron Jackson. Could it be, I want to say, a better fit next to to Chet, but uh, like even a, it's a more reasonable like, guy they could go get. So it uh it could make a, a lot more sense. But Case and Wallace they, is, as a defensive guy next to Ja. Anyways, could they buy out Danilo Gallinari? I don't know. Uh, Gallinari. I think pretty easily. Yeah, who's, I, he, who's I, even on? What team's on the he Pistons. on? The Pistons. I think that's a player they could use. You know, go five out. They just need a backup big. So I mean, I was talking about maybe Durin, but you know, he might be a little. Mm. But Isaiah Stewart, he's hot right now. Wiseman, be, yeah, Wiseman. I think he'd be <laughs> interesting. I just, I just need a backup big. I don't, you know, Wiseman has been near unplayable at times, but I hate to say it because the he's on the Spurs, but Charles Bassey. Yeah. I love Bassey, but it's almost like free Bassey at this point. We need to play that guy. <laughs> Honestly. Wemby's just taking too many center minutes. Like, what the heck? Play him next to Wemby. He's, I don't know why he can't get the minutes. Maybe there's something in practice. Mm. Not seeing, but. but it shouldn't be this hard to find some big that no one's using, like a second rounder. Like, mm. there's just so many bigs in the league for obvious reasons that are the, just in the league because they're big. <laughs> the problem is the bigs dominate the league. Jokic and Bede, Giannis, you need that yeah. guy. So those guys are weirdly valuable right now. Like a guy like Gafford is again, he's valuable if you're building a team, but we both agree the, the Grizzlies are not, they're not on tank watch, but they're just like, we would, we both agree. We would be making calls to the Grizzlies. If we were a team, right? If we were running a team, we're making calls to the Grizzlies right now asking about Jaron Jackson. uh, Not maybe Jaron Jackson, but some of their other players. I think they would be interested okay. in moving on for players just because, like you mentioned, they are a tank. So they are looking to this year's draft. And if you have a good, you know, solid draft pick for this year, you know, maybe you could see if that entices them. But which is, it's a bad year to tank. Should have waited last year and we should have waited for next year with Cooper Flag. Shout mm. out to the Athletic. Had a great mm. article about him on there. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Explain Explains why his. Uh, favorite player is Larry Bird because there better be a good explanation for that. <laughs> do we do we need an athletic article to explain that? Do we just need a side by side? I don't know. His, his play too. He's I, I was watching some of his under seventeen highlights. He's mm. he, he he might be he might be the the next next one next one. And up. this year's this year's draft might be just good too. There's a lot of good players in there. Whitmore. There's been some Whitmore moments this year. There was a game Damn. where they were playing the Celtics in Boston, 
And Whitmore had a quarter where he was like, I'm just going to go toe to toe with Tatum. And it was, like it worked for like, in a row. yeah, it worked for like four two minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Something. And then it was like, Something. oh, Whitmore, he can't take this one. Oh, yep. There it goes. It's all gone now. Yeah. But, uh, but uh, yeah, shout out. All right. Any, you got any more trades? Uh, okay. Next fake trade. Which one do I want to try them? Okay, here this this is this is this is a quick one. The Bucks. I don't know if you want to talk about Doc Rivers quickly, but I had no, I had Chris Middleton to the Kings. This is so I had mm. I had Kevin Herter, Trey Lyles, and Davion Mitchell for Chris Middleton. Wait, wait who all did you where are you trading for Chris Middleton? Kevin Herter, Trey Lyles, Davion Mitchell. I think the Bucks say yes right away. I don't think. Is Kevin Herter a better player than Chris Middleton? I don't know. It's that's a mm. that's a lot for Chris Middleton. Like three players. It's contract mostly, but yeah, yeah. Herter and Barnes. Yeah, Herter, Herter is Herter is a solid player. Like I think he's he's a I mean he's a rotation playoff contributor. Like I think he's a he has his cold moments, but I think Chris Middleton has started to play better this year though. Um, can think, can Herder, Herder contribute in the playoffs in the fourth quarter is the question. Let's see what uh, Chris Middleton has done. Chris Middleton. Let's see what Chris Middleton has done recently. He's been last, a little better. Last eight games, 17 points a game, 51% from the field, 39% from three. Well, what's Kevin Herder been doing? You, I, I'm just saying it shouldn't be so close that it's an actual thing that, like, it's not – out of the realm of possibility that he might be producing more. I mean, he is at like only 10, three and eight, but. Yeah, Doc yeah, Rivers Herter, Whoa. He went down, down. He had 15 last year and now 10. Um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting. I mean, there's all the jokes with 3 1, you know, all the little leads he's blown, but. I think around the league, it's been generally agreed that he need the Bucks needed an adult. They needed someone to mm, uh, ride you the, like the move. And uh, yeah, I get, I get why. I think they just were missing a lot of the bare minimum stuff, and getting rid of Terry Stotts so early in the season was a big, uh, big thing that, um, or not getting rid of. Pretty much, he resigned, but it's pretty much them getting rid of him. Um, was a big sign of trouble. Also, shout out to my Blazers. They've been playing well recently. I haven't been much of a hype on them. They're starting to come back. I don't know. Mike Slim just lead. They're down hanging to in four there against the Nuggets on the road. Okay, actually five. That's still tough. Five. It's. I mean, it's the champions. They don't. They're not. I know. Anyway, uh, I did not know. I did not realize that Herder was playing this bad this year. Um, because last year is at 15, you know, a game shooting, you know, 60, 48% from the field, 40% from three. But this mm-hmm. year he's shooting really bad. He's back down to uh 36 from three, only 10 points. So I guess it's more realistic that this trade would happen. I just yeah, I did not know he took this big of a step back. Okay, the next trade quickly. Is Tyler Hero, Jaime Hawkins, and Nikola Jovic enough for Donovan Mitchell? Mm, Jaime Hawkins is untradeable. He's literally like that's another what I, Jimmy that's Butler. That's what I was trying to ask. 
And you can't, you can't is say Hawk is for Mitchell straight up enough. Is, is, <laughs> would you do that? For the heat? He, you just, you just can't touch him. Just don't, don't. Tyler Hero and you, who else did you mention? Maybe Robinson. Jovich. Mm-hmm. So Robinson for the money. Robinson for the money. Yeah. Let's Robinson, double check the trade machine quick. Hero and Jovich. I think that could be a good trade right there. I think Hawkins is untradeable. Like for him to be injured and it's actually noticeable on the Heat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the problem amazing. is the Heat don't have any picks. So it's like Hawkins yeah. or nothing. Yeah. <laughs> in terms of getting like future assets from the Heat back. But I'd assume you want something long term there. I mean, they got scary Terry. So I think they got their upgrade at Garner already. And I mean, Terry Rozier on this kind of team, I like, like he mentions, I mean, he loves the culture, he loves how it is. And um, I think he'll fit perfectly in there. And I think people kind of forget Scary Terry in the playoffs, you know, before Tatum came onto the scene. There was there was some there was some stuff with Terry. So thank God he's out of Charlotte. He's with a team that actually makes the playoffs. And uh I'm I'm really excited to see because it is this is a team of hero balls, macho guys, and he fits that perfectly, you know, a bunch of winners. And um, that combined with Hame Hakez, how good he's been playing. <laughs> I, I think it's just he's, he's playing literally like Jimmy Butler. Butler's there. Bam. I mean, Rozier. That's like four solid guys um, going into the playoffs. So I'm really – I think I was kind of worried for them after they lost or pretty much all their backcourt. But now now they look kind of reloaded. They look they, – they're very interesting. And make no – and Terry Rozier went for the dunk on LeBron in the final yeah. or in the Eastern Conference Finals. Make no mistake, he got stuffed. LeBron blocked him, but <laughs> he did go for the dunk. Yeah. He went for the dunk. So credit credit to Scary Terry. Okay, we'll, we'll do uh the okay. So I'll, I guess here we'll I'll do a couple of fake trades, but these are theme fake trades. These, the, there's a no. couple of the theme to these last ones. I know again we mentioned the rumor mill is quiet right now, but. I think this guy is the guy that everybody would like to see get traded to a contending team. And I think it's a guy that, uh, obviously I think we're, are, are we the number one Mikhail Bridges pod with a ultimate Frisbee yeah, segment know. recorded on zoom? We're the number yeah, one. Yep. Top of the so rankings. I, these are, these are the, the rescue. I got a couple of rescue Mikhail Bridges trades to throw at you rapid fire quickly. This, this one, I think this one might be my favorite trade. Mm. This is my favorite trade. We'll see. We'll see if you like it. But the 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 Nuggets get Mikel Bridges mm. and Dorian Finney-Smith mm. for Michael Porter Jr., Christian Braun, and Peyton Watson. Who says no? Probably the Nuggets, or not the Nuggets, the Nets. That's I think the Nuggets would love to have Mikel Bridges. They would love to have him. I mean, you put pretty much Michael Porter shooting into a guy who's actually going to play defense. Play defense? <laughs> like, like uh, yeah, no, they'd love to have him. Uh, would you I just sacrifice Nets, whatever picks you have left if you're the Nuggets to do that? With I, those I guys? Think, I think for the Nuggets, I mean, the Nets, I think they do see him as a superstar kind of guy. They look mm. to him as their number one guy, their their cornerstone right now. And he's, he's kind of all the hope they have. You know, they don't have much else. Um, you know, Ben Simmons has started playing again. Um, but, yeah, not much else on that team. 
So, you know, Cam Thomas has shown some flashes too. Uh, you know, he is he's continued to scoring run, but I think, you know, for a team, it doesn't feel like they're quite ready to blow it up. And, you know, they're kind of in the play-in danger territory. They're 11th right now, you know, a couple wins behind the hot. So I think they're thinking they can still compete. They can still fight for stuff. And we'll see if that comes true. But it looks like from rumors, I think people are confirming. Let me see here. Yeah, yeah. It looks like they've continued to tell teams that um, that Mikhail Bridges is not in, is not tradable, available, especially with them being on the bubble of making the playoffs. So it's because they're kind of competitive. They're 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 in the outside looking in. So they've told the reports are that they're not taking calls for Mikhail Bridges, which I mean is not yeah. necessarily surprising, but again, just shows you that the rumor mill is up. Uh... Kind of shut down at this point, but I know Peyton Watson is not Mikkel Bridges, but you get Peyton, you get Peyton Watson and Christian Braun and Michael Porter Jr. back. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think they they could get some serious. I think they get better offers for Mikkel Bridges, and uh, yeah, that's why they're telling teams that they're not trading him. So I don't know. I think they could get a better better deal than that. Well, if you want a couple more picks, and this one, again, Stephen A. did the LeBron thing today on first take, mm, but yeah. the other guy that he said, and we floated this trade out there too in the past, but is the Fournier contract, Grimes and picks, is that enough for Bridges? I guess mm, the question yeah, is, no. it, it, that's just not enough straight up? Fournier, Grimes, and... And, uh, and picks? And picks, yeah, no, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, Fournier is uh, expiring, right? So it's only really Grimes. Yeah, and for the like, money, forty eight for the yeah, money. Yeah, and it's gonna be mid, mid pick. So no, nah, I mean, like I said, Mikhail to them is a superstar, especially if they're gonna get rid of Spencer Dinwiddie. You know, you can't rely on Ben uh, Ben Simmons. You gotta you gotta have something to have the fans come and pay for. Tobias Harris, Jaden Springer, and picks. Yeah, no, it's not happening. Mm. I'll let. I mean, you know, no, I mean, you might as well take the uh, Michael Porter deal at that point. Also, oh, Twats is another expiring contract. Yeah. There was another Knicks trade here quick that I wanted to throw at you. What if they um, called what if they called the Raptors back and go, wait, you got Bruce Brown now? Well, we'll just we'll do the 48 contract for money, but we'll just give you a first round pick. Because the Knicks have a bunch of them. Or, you know, they yeah. have a they have a few of them. So they could give them Dallas's pick this year. The, they're the, the Mavericks first round pick mm -hmm. in this year's draft for Bruce Brown. I mean, mm. one a, a first for Bruce Brown, that feels like fair value. In the Fournier contract, I mean, you don't really have to do much else than that. Yeah, and I think the Knicks would be a great uh, team for Bruce Brown. Um, instead of the Raptors, it's just, yeah, he should, I think Bruce Brown should always be on a playoff contending team because he's just such a good playoff guy. Mm -hmm. I love watching him in the playoffs. So I think he'd be a great guy for the, um, for the Knicks. Just something else, another weird wrench to throw at teams. Because, yeah, they just got so many on that team. Would the Raptors do that? Take a pick back for Bruce Brown? I think I think they would. Maybe two. I think they would take two picks, like two mm. second-rounders. Yeah. I mean, maybe okay. a first. If it's seconds? A, yeah. A first and a third for Bruce Brown? <laughs> yeah, first and third. <laughs> no, there's no thirds in there. Yeah, but. Uh, can we trade? Yeah, can think... we start trading G League stuff? I do think, yeah, I think a first and a second would be 
Yeah. It'll be interesting. Okay. We'll see what happens next week. I think it'll be, like we said, it might be pretty mid, but maybe yeah. something will happen. Hopefully. But there has been a lot of good stuff as well. So do you have a big prediction? Trade deadline prediction? No, I don't. I don't know. I think, I think there's been plenty that happened already. Let me think of, let me see if I can think of one. LeBron gets traded. What would even be, I don't know, Jeremy Grant gets traded? Does somebody want to take on the $50 million a year? Jeremy Grant deal? The Pacers? I don't know. It's it's, nobody's traded for Turner now. John Collins? Does he get traded again? Oh, I forgot to ask Lou about the John Collins. There's a, there's a drink in the Downton Abbey cocktail drink book that is called the John Collins. Mm. So if you guys want to know what is in the John Collins and the history of the John Collins, I mean, just go down to the go down to the link and buy the book. Shout out to Lou. Go down. Shout out. Shout out. Well, another thing that is going on around this time, one of Ram's favorite award shows. <laughs> I've kind of tried to keep yeah. track of award shows, but you know, it, it's 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 just not geared really for our generation. It's not. I don't. They they just you know. Kind of hoity-toity, but anyway, the Grammys have announced all their nominations, and we are gonna pick them. We're gonna pick who should be them, who should win. And you know, I'm not gonna act like I've listened to every single thing or watched every single thing. So you know, there may be something better than the other. But these are all in our opinion. So don't come at us in the comments. Actually, you know, maybe do give your picks in the comments. Attack but, us in the comments. You know, Actually, you know what? Do attack. <laughs> do attack. Into the Just comments. a full-fledged but, siege in the comments, please. <laughs> Good interactions. Uh, but I think uh, we do. I know, Rem, you are. I know you really go deep dive in this, at least a lot more than me. And you got a couple of different fields you wanted to touch on here. And actually, I didn't know if you, if you knew this, but the Grammys called us and said that we both have votes. So I know... Oh. This this drops Saturday, so the Grammys are tomorrow. But shout out. So these these are actually these are actually our votes for the. Okay, yeah, these the, are our votes, our official votes. We're letting y'all know for the for the Grammy thing. This is this is who we would pick. So this is not like this is not like our predictions. This is not you know oh what we think uh, the industry is leaning toward. This is honest. I just wrote it down as what I think should win. And when I was I was looking at a bunch of articles too, just to get a gauge, because honestly, I was trying to find odds to see where the the odds were leaning. And there are odds for the the big four categories, or is it big five, big four? But they're not really odds for like the genre categories, like the the rap and country and stuff like that. But a lot of the articles I was looking at had yeah. basically almost every article picked different things. So again, I think the odds have some, like, you know, Taylor Swift, for example, is leading yeah. in a lot of the categories that she's in for the odds. But a lot of this, a lot of the the people are, you know, this, this, I feel like this could be kind of a wide open field. And looking at, I don't know, do you get the sense of that? I know the Grammys, I think is the easiest one for you to keep up with because you're listening to a lot of this stuff anyways, but it feels like pretty wide open. I don't, there is obviously, yeah. like, I feel like our, opinions matter because I, I feel like the field is very subjected this year compared to years past where like last year, for example, just in the rap category, I know it was a, like an incredibly strong field, but mm-hmm. I think like the, the, the Kendrick Lamar thing was just obviously going to win. It was, you know, the, the best project again in a strong field, like J Cole's album was amazing and, you know, had a chance there as well too. But like this year, I do feel like 
it really there it is going to be like we're really going to see what the flavor is of the the voters this year because i feel like it is kind of open-ended a little bit yeah no hey we are we are and there's a lot of different big names there it's just there's not really stuff that is standing out above and beyond and we'll definitely get category by category but do you want to start the list i was say do you want to start with the like the rap field specifically or do you want to start with this the overall the general field we can we can do the general field. I know if you have first okay, year okay. album of the year. Um, I guess we can really quickly read who's the nominations. We have World Music Radio by John Baptiste, The Record by Boy Genius, Endless Summer Vacation by Miley Cyrus. Did you know that there's a tunnel under Ocean Boulevard by Lana Deray? <laughs> uh, the By Age of Pleasure by Janelle Monet, Guts by Olivia Rodrigo, Mud Nights by Taylor Swift, and my pick SOS by mm. SZA. Who do you have? Who would you? Who is getting your vote, Rem, uh, for album of the year? You're voting for SZA. Uh, yeah, I, I'm probably the one I listen to the most. Um, I definitely did listen a little bit of Midnight's. Um, you know, it, it's it, it's a good album. Um, I think a little bit of Lana Del Rey's as well. I know Endless Summer got mixed in there. You know, there's some mm-hmm. songs from there. But uh, yeah, SOS, you know, when you look at like Kill Bill, you know, 20 something, there's a lot of songs in there. No, I I totally agree. I think this is my album of the year as well, too. And I think, do we just, do we need to address the Taylor Swift thing at the Grammys? Oh my God. Well, is Kelsey going to be there? <laughs> is he? Mahomes? He does have uh, the week off. So, well, is yeah. he in the Pro Bowl? Was Kelsey playing dodgeball mm, this no. week? No, because they, the people, Players in the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's true. He's not going to be there. Stuff. Yeah. So he'll be that's on That's how the... Tyler Huntley came to be a Super Bowl or a Pro Bowl. <laughs> like, and this is, this, I'm not, I'm not saying this to discredit the Taylor Swift album. The Taylor Swift album is good. We're talking about album of the year field. So we're talking about the fact that all of these albums are good and we're just trying to pick the best one. So it's like, we'll just understand that everything we say, the Taylor Swift album is a good album. But again, it's a good album. And I think the the SZA album is amazing. And the the thing is, the Taylor Swift thing this year has been amazing. The cultural impact, the tour, you know, every like she's number two on Spotify right now on artists for, I think, behind the weekend. And at least the way they have it ranked in the app. And I think the numbers for the year, the calendar year, were she was by far and away the number one artist. Like she is clearly the most popular artist, the most dominant artist in the industry right now. But the SZA, the SZA album's a better album, right? It's no, a better album. Is. And I think in terms of popularity, it hit, a, it hit a level where, okay, we clearly understand that Taylor Swift is iconic, but she, it, it's like t- SOS still hit the mainstream level enough where I think it checks a box where it's like, okay, if it needs to be mainstream, well, SOS was mainstream. Everybody loved it. I think it's unanimously kind of beloved as like for quality and in terms of, you know, quantity, of streams, all that stuff. I think I think it's right up there. SZA really became a star. I I was one of the articles I was reading as well too. I forget which one. So shout out to yeah. uh, whoever it was. But they had made a great point that you know she had been dominant at like you know she had made presence in the the Grammys and in these award shows as in like features. And you know she's like on the Black Panther album with Kendrick Lamar. She had done stuff, but you know now she's really ascended on her own. Obviously, SOS yeah. is an unbelievable project. So. I think in terms of quality in this field, to me, it's 
it's it's not close. And really the only thing that the only thing that I think in terms of quality, not to just spoil the rest of the 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 categories, but just in general, I think the only thing that Taylor Swift has over SZA in terms of this year, SOS versus Midnight's, is the overall cultural thing, right? So that to me, that's yeah. what the, the voters have to be weighing this year. And to me, SZA crossed a line where she still hit the cultural thing enough where the SO album is too good. I just, I don't know how it's not album of the year. And it's not, it's not a uh, 20 something I was thinking of, but special good days also on that album where songs I loved as well. So it is just Wait, a say great again? album. Um, I was mentioning the album's Kill Bill. I really like, uh, well, yeah, which special songs? And uh, Kill Bill is special and um, uh, and uh, good days. Those are okay. the ones I really, really listen to on that one. Um, I think I've got a lot of the popular ones in my playlist, obviously. SOS, yeah. Kill Bill, Low, which Low got nominated in a, another category. Smoke on my uh, X Pack. I know Snooze went really big on uh, on TikTok. Yeah, Snooze is one of her bigger songs here on Spotify. Yeah. I'm not on TikTok. I'm just on Spotify. Is literally the uh, app. The social is it even a social app? It's just the app I'm on the most. Okay. Can I can I give you my power rankings quickly for album of the year? Uh, yeah. I've so this is this is this is how I've got it ranked down. I've got SOS one. I've guts too by Olivia mm. Rodrigo. Shout out. Shout out. World Music Radio by John Batiste, Age of Pleasure. I've Lana Del Rey's album and then the the Boy Genius Taylor Swift and uh the Miley Cyrus album. Killing it. So yeah, oh, I, I, I also the song I Hate You. That was good. Mm. Okay. Oh, used by Don Tolliver. I mean, we've basically just named the whole album at this point. Yeah, it's an it's amazing album. Yeah, it's great album. It's all um, gonna be my playlist by the end of this. Uh, get refined its way back on there. All right, I think we're down to song of the year, um, and the and the nominations were A and W by John Antonoff, uh, Landon Ray, and a whole bunch of people. Uh, Antihero, right. pretty much Taylor Swift, yeah, pretty much Taylor Swift. Uh, Butterfly by John Baptiste, Dance the Night. Uh, from Dua Lipa, Flowers by Miley Cyrus, Kill Bill by SZA, Vampire by Olivia Rodrigo, and What Was I Made For by Billie Eilish. And that's interesting. I mean, can the movie have its own album? You know, can the movie, like, how do you have two songs from a movie, but you don't have the album as album? Yeah, I don't know. There's just Mm. too many kid songs in there. I don't know. Something interesting. Is it Uh, pop album of the year? Mm, maybe I don't I didn't look it's not in the rap category but it's not like a full <laughs> yeah. on it's not like a full you know all the songs are yeah. rap songs it might be like a pop album of the year nomination but you're right to get two songs in the mix is kind of crazy and the funny thing yeah. about dance the night being in this category is so there is song of the year and record of the year and song mm. of the year goes to the songwriter and record mm. of the year is like the full song, you know, it's the songwriters, the technical aspects. It's the, the, you know, the, the size of the, the, the scope of the song, the cultural impact, all that stuff. So dance the night to me feels more like a record of the year than, uh, than a song of the year type of like, uh, well, I guess that I was, I was looking at the rap category for a second there, but yeah, my pick is not dance the night by Dua Lipa. Okay. Unfortunately. And this is this is interesting because 
we're going to get to record of the year. So yeah, my pick kind of depends on, and I don't know if this is the right way to do it, but kind of depends on what we, what we end up doing for record of the year. But right now for song of the year, it's just, again, this is a songwriter award. So it's really close between two songs, mm. but I got to go with John Batiste. Butterfly by John Batiste, I think for me is the number Very one. Beautiful. A, a beautiful song that again, I had the album number three for album of the year. I think it's a great album. I think Batiste is very underrated just as like a, a normal listen. He's not, uh, he's more popular in the industry than I think he is, uh, mainstream, but there's a, there's a, there's another song like this in contention. That's like kind of a, you know, again, like a, a slow ballad, like Sam said, you know, beautiful song, yeah. but for this category, I think I'd give the nod to Batiste. It's close though. Yeah, no, it is a very, you know, touching, uh, song and it is kind of interesting how this this category ranges from like dance and i don't you know really yeah. upbeat they're literally dancing but it is i think it is a lot of more thoughtful songs i think when you put in this a lot more sober you know deeper meaning songs mm -hmm. and uh because of that you know i i you know i know anti-hero went up uh a &W was really popular but i kind of i kind of go to go with the song that has you know kind of the most thought-provoking even title what was i made for i mm. really i did and maybe this is not necessarily too much as much as the wording um but it was just i think uh maybe maybe this is a different category but billy eilish's you know performance in that song um how it was used you know with the meaning behind it you know when you really when you really look at, you know, where, how the song was used. I, I think Dancing Night Away was also used really well in that movie. But I think for, I mean, another touching song similar to Butterfly, you know, with the piano, um, you know, yeah. really good vocals, you know, the focus being on simplicity in the song. Um, but it was just, uh, I mean, I do, I am partial to songs that have a chorus that kind of revolve around one idea. So I just, I, I think it was more touching for me just listening to it, um, watching it and the way it was used in the, in the movie. I guess I just have too many feelings connected to it. So, um, yeah. so you're picking the Billie Eilish. Yeah, I will. I'm going with that one just cause you know, out of these categories is definitely like I can kind of see where this category is going for. And it kind of feels like that is it in it because it feels it is definitely seems like something that's more pushing for your emotions, you know, kind of with even with the way it's song produced, stuff like that. So I don't know. It's kind of repeating, but I yeah, I'd figure that one. So I don't want to step on record of the year at all, but I don't know if we want to move on. So, yeah, I think this is. This is my pick for record of the year. And I know you can uh, mm. you can read the nominees, but there's another there's another record of the year that so record of the year is similar to song of the year for me where I have two really close contenders and I could talk myself into giving the other song record of the year and giving Billie Eilish song of the year at that point. So right now again I have Billie Eilish for record of the year. Yeah. But 
I could see it switching. I could see myself switching that around. But yeah, that that's my number two exactly. And both these songs, very similar. Like you're saying, very simple, beautiful songs. So yeah. Batiste, I, the Batiste was just throwing heat in this song. So I, I no, had to, going crazy. yeah, I had, to, I had, I had to call, you know, bro, yeah. shout out, not, not a call out, shout out for our guy. Batiste. Shout out. Get the right. Uh, but for record of the year, the nominees are Worship by John Batiste. They, uh, not Strong Enough by Boy Genius, Flowers by Miley Cyrus, What Was It Made For by Billie Eilish, On My Mama by Victoria Monet, Vampire by Olivia Rodrigo, Antihero by Taylor Swift, and Kill Bill by SZA. And I probably put Kill Bill a second That's here when you talk one. a little bit about producing. Like when you talk, yeah, I think, you know, now I think that's where Kill Bill can kind of get into it. Just that, like, even the intro to the song, like you're like, oh, you know, it instantly, you know what it is, just very distinct. And um, yeah, I think it was definitely one of the better, one of the best produced songs from this past year, just with the, when you hear the drums and how it kind of blends with the voice. I, I think, yeah, I would put Kill Bill probably really close up there with what I was making. for. 1.6 billion streams on Spotify right now. Mm. So, you know, again, massive song checks all the boxes i could definitely i could vote kill bill for record of the year and what was i made for for what was i made for for song of the year yeah but like what what was i made for has to win one of these awards yeah because to me to me it's actually the the best song on this list like i think it's actually a better song than kill bill but i think kill bill is an amazing song and again the sos album the whole thing it's incredible so i would have no problem giving them both awards but I I think per, that's that's my favorite that that's my favorite Billie Eilish song. And again, yeah, I'm more Swifties don't come at us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's even like a controversial Billie Eilish take, but I'm not like a an avid Billie Eilish listener. You know, tending when you tend to stay more to hip hop, maybe maybe Billie Eilish should make the the crossover in my playlist a little bit more. But yeah, I I was watching this Barbie movie. Shout out shout out to the champ. He was watching it with me. I was like. There, Billie Eilish can't make me try, cry next to the champ Quinn. It just, hey, hey. I got, I got, I got to fight this. Come on now, she almost got it. me. Have you ever been a, a Rodrigo fan? Yeah, I had the the I I love the album. You love you love guts. I don't. I, I've tried. I saw it. I just I know mm. there's a lot of hype. I don't know. I'm kind of lukewarm. Lukewarm on. Maybe it's Olivia Rodrigo. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's hard just, to say. Um, let's move on to the next category here. Let's see here. What else? What do we have next on the list here? Uh, best new artist. I might get me with this one. Might, what are the nominees? See, yeah. You know. What are the nominees? Uh, best new artist, Gracie Abrams, Fred again, I Spice, Jelly Roll, Coco Jones, Noah Can, Victoria Monet, and The War and the Treat and Treaty. Um, I is there... Is this I Spice's award to lose, or am, am I wrong here? So like, I, I might, I'm, I'm looking at popular culture though. I'm not, I'm not gonna act like I've listened to every single one of you guys, and I might just be totally wrong. Yeah, don't underrate, don't underestimate Jelly Roll in this competition. Oh yeah, I think I've but... heard a little bit Jelly. Let me see. <laughs> the the betting odds right now would say that the ones that I did find did say that I Spice is I Spice might have the biggest lead of any contender right now in any category in some of these. Yeah. But this is another one where I've seen multiple picks. I've seen people pick Gracie Abrams. She did the Taylor Swift mm-hmm. thing and the Olivia Rodrigo thing. 
I've seen pick people pick Coco Jones and yeah, Vic, Victoria Monet has the, they, I read one article that pointed out that she had the most nominations of anybody in this category. So just overall mm. throughout the Grammys, she's nominated the most times. And that is like, well, okay, maybe she's just the automatic winner. I, if, if I can pull the betting bots back up, I knowing that stat, I would bet her. I don't know if I would pick her, but I would bet her if she has the most Grammy nominations. Interesting. Who who did you say it was? Monet. Oh, Monet. Yeah, yeah. I seen a lot uh, earlier when we were mentioning the songs. What was it? Uh, hopefully, was hopefully. It that, wait, let me let on me look up mama. her name quick. Yeah, on my mama is. Is that her last name? Janelle Monet is I know nominated for an Oscar. I think it's Victoria Monet. It's spelled the same way. Yeah, I don't know how uh, I Spice is in this category. Like, how is she new? I Spice? She she broke she's out this there. year. I guess, but she's been around for a little bit. Like, but it's like who brought? It's like break. It's like breakout slash yeah. best new artist. It's like see. most. When... It really is the most improved player of the Grammys. I guess. I mean, what was her? Uh, her breakout song. That was uh, at the beginning of. That was probably beginning March. of. Beginning yeah. of twenty twenty three. Was it no? It was twenty twenty two. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, much was it? Wow, that was really twenty twenty two. So the Jeez. Grammy, the Grammy window for this year, we should mention as well too, is October first, twenty twenty two. Yeah. To September fifteenth, twenty twenty three. Wow, that's crazy. She's, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I think in terms of popularity, she's definitely like. She dropped TikTok, her first single in 2021 crazy. on Spotify. That's, That's not that long ago. That's crazy. She's really blown up in the last couple of years. I think uh, Monet might be the sleeper in this category. I'm going to, I'll pick, yeah. I'll pick Ice Spice though. I'll pick Ice Spice. Shout out. Shout out. She, I, she's I also. Was... Also nominated in a, a later category. Yeah. One of the songs. I don't, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know. Well, you know, shout out Victoria Monet, but I just, I think, I think, uh, yeah, I suppose it's just a different level of uh, artist, I guess, in terms of popularity. You know, in terms of quality music, you know, that's subjective, and we'll see what the judges say. <laughs> we'll see who's listening to music. I, I'm an Ice Spice man. I, I do like her music, you know, but I don't know that what the judges are saying. No, uh, let's see. Producer of the year. Uh, do we go? Is it non-classical? Yeah. We... Okay, there's a lot here. Okay, so producer of the year, Jack Antonoff uh, has a couple there. Durance Dimili, Millie. I might be butchering these. Hit Boy Metro Boomin. Um and Daniel, uh, I you know what? We'll leave that last name. No, I I gotta go. You know, huh. <laughs> you know we want to be a friendly pod. I don't need to. No, run? that's how oh. you say it. All right, all right. Oh, you've been practicing. All right. Uh, I I don't Jack. Don't agree with that. I know Jack Antonov uh, has been producing some of these. You know, more popular, oh, really popular uh, songs. There's a couple there, but Metro Boomin, make the not case on superhero, 
But the song before that includes Homelander, because the whole Hammer Homelander speech doesn't isn't on that one. But that combined with more abs, I mean, that's that's great. Creepin', Creepin' blew up, man. Like the twenty, that mm-hmm. was that was really blunt. I mean, I'm biased because he's kind of the only one I like have listened to a lot out of these all of these guys. Um, I think. Let me see here. I'm at any other. Yeah, Antonoff did the Taylor Swift album and did the Lana yeah. Del Rey album. I get so like he's, he's, but... he's won the last two years, but I do want to hear the case for Metro Boomin. I would vote for either Metro Boomin or Hit Boy, but I would also probably be wrong for doing that. Okay, so make the case for uh, Hit Boy. Well, the thing is, he probably if there was a a case for him to win, it would have been last year with the King Disease Two. I just think that's a little bit better than King Disease 3, which did get nominated again. We will get to that as well, too. But just what what Hit Boy did with Nas, and I, I don't want to say turning him around, because obviously yeah. Nas is iconic, but in terms of in terms of a collection, the King's Disease albums are as a three-album stretch, just his best collection of music that he's made. As a total, look at Ill, Ill, Illmatic is still peak Nas, probably the best single album he's ever done. Again, the iconic, it's legendary. But, you know, at the, the, the albums that followed that, and then again, into the mid-2000s, I think what he did with King Disease over those three albums, the consistently giving Nas good beats to rap over, which I know is a common stereotype with Nas's career. And I think it's a little a little misconstrued as well, too. I think a lot of the Nas beats are really solid over, over his career. I think he, yeah. he did a good job with that, but hit, the team up with hit boy in the King disease album, I think is, is Nas's finest collection of work. And, but that's the point. Oh, what was no, go, go ahead. Go ahead. But I think that's the point is that it's, you know, it's still Nas's work, you know, it's someone else's work and Metro Boomin released his own album, you know, and yeah, he had other people come on and stuff and he kind of mixed it up. You know, he had some people feature more than others, but it's still his project, yeah. and I think that's what takes him to another level. You know, I don't know about the other guys. They might have other producers. They might have, you know, had their own. But I think Major Boomin with that and that transition from, you know, having Homelander talk into superhero was just – I think it's just one of the best produced things I've ever heard. I mean, just because I know – you know, watching the boys, knowing that meaning and having that transition, it's just – I think – is something that is really on another level. And then you combine that with creeping right now at like over a billion plays. Uh, you know, there's a whole lot of other songs on this, on, on this album. And it's just, yeah, I don't, you know, all the money I still listen to. It's just, it's just a really good album. And, I, he, and he is like the one, I don't want to say the one mainstream producer, but yeah. he's really the only producer that can pull off what he is you know what he just did yeah. with the the superhero album because again even even the earlier stuff that he was doing was he had the 21 savage you know savage mode was you know a, a, a what are that what is that compilate not a compilation of what is it when 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 two guys team up for an album it was like a a team up album so it wasn't fully you know all heroes wear capes was him and metro boomin as well too without warning yeah. i don't know if there's another producer that could just drop an album solo like that and for it to be an A-list type thing, you know, he's top 40 right now for streamers on Spotify. He's wow. 37. And, you know, the I if, if you're going to throw other producers, it's going to be like underground. You're going to start getting into like the Mad Lib type stuff 
or, you know, you know, the, the older Kanye stuff back in peak Kanye days. But again, Kanye was rapping and, you know, he was doing his own vocals as well too, where Metro booming is purely producing and purely like has made a persona now where as a producer, he's able to drop music and the producer is the main thing. Again, it's not like he has future on a song and Metro booming is the star of the song. Like, I don't, I don't yeah. really know of other producers that do that. So I like, again, you know, Metro booming over hip boy is, I think, you know, I, I see the, see the case there. It's just, I love what hip boys done with uh, the Nas thing. Yeah. And even, even Antonoff as well too. I get that he has clearly made his like people know that he is a high level producer, but I don't know if he could drop an album like Metro booming does and, and it- hit the same way. And it's not the only, I mean, he also did the music for Across the Spider-Man, uh, Across the Spider-Verse, another really, I mean, you know, it wasn't yeah. super, super good, but it's still really good. I mean, quality so just, album. Yeah, it's just, bang, it's just different level. I, I think he's really the best producer out there. I think the Grammy should give him a award. Jack Antonoff, Triple Crown, I don't think they can allow it. Break it up. <laughs> voter fatigue. Can we have some Jack Antonoff voter fatigue? Uh, oh, is he been, wait, has he won it the last two years? Two years, last two years, yeah. Wow, shout He's out! Going for three in a row. Can we get Perk on the case? <laughs> it's because the all right, voters. Uh, our best rap album. Let me scroll on down. Uh, why isn't this higher? I feel like this uh, might be an interesting one for your personal taste. Versus the winner. Okay, so I got best. Okay, here we go. Best rap album. I want you to go first with the pick. We got Her Loss, Drake in 21. Michael with Killer Mike. uh, Heroes and Villains with Metro Boomin. King's Disease uh, 3 by Nas. And Utopia by Travis Scott. Okay, first of all, we can just knock out Utopia. Um, I agree. I, I, I am very much not a fan of Utopia at all. I think there's like... One or two, but when you're talking about like best of the year, I I think it's kind of crazy that it's actually on here. Um, I will and- I will say like I say I agree with Sam. I agree with Sam that it's it's not gonna win. I do. Yeah. I I think it's a good album, and I actually like the fact that it got nominated. But yeah. I I don't I don't think Travis Scott is gonna win album of the year at the Grammys. I, the LA Times actually picked it. I wrote that one down because I was like, oh, Utopia, I don't think is going to win. But uh, somebody out there saw it and uh, or, you know, saw the saw the case for Utopia anyways at the, the Grammys. I just think some of the other names above them are more in line. I just don't think this is Travis Scott's year to make that break. I think the fact that he got nominated for Utopia is a good sign that he has industry staying power with an album that I don't think was as universally loved as like, you know, the Astroworld album. Where I think still people think it's quality, but again, the the top to bottom, just everybody fiending over it. That album was like a true hit, but yeah. I do think it true. It shows his industry staying power, and he has a good shot to be back in it when he releases another one. But I agree, he, he's not. He's not winning this. He's not winning it. And I, I'm not gonna lie. I mean, shout out to you, Rem, for listening to all of King's Disease. It kind of went under the radar for me. Uh, none of the songs cracked 10 million streams, but I didn't even no, want it's it. I don't know. You, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty underground. So I haven't heard that one. Um, but yeah. And then Killer Mike, 
Uh, Michael Dowen, I probably should do some research, but I mean, the top two, obviously for me, have to be Hero and Villains and Her Loss. And, you know, Hero and Villains, I really liked um, some of the producing that was done, but I didn't, there wasn't, not much of the rap itself was sticking with me. Hmm. Her Loss, on the other hand, stuck with me all year and still stuck with me to this day. So, I mean, it's kind of, I mean, it's Drake. It's 21. They kind of they kind of know together they hit a groove. And, you know, it may bring out a rougher side of Drake, but you know, it it's uh they definitely know they're hitting their groove, which is why they're on tour. I don't know if they're on tour right now, but are yeah. J. Cole and Drake on tour? I think they might be. Uh, J. Cole and Drake, yeah. Yeah. But 21 and Drake were on tour. So this is this is how I have it ranked right now for these albums. I have Utopia at is it or is there five? One, two, three, four, five. Yeah. I have Utopia yeah. at five, like we were saying. Okay. I have Heroes and Villains at four. Again, strong album, mm. but I, I agree with you. I think the production carries. I have King Disease. I have King Disease at three. And oh, I think, you like Killer Mike's album. And yeah, yeah. I we'll get to the Killer Mike album. I think <laughs> King's, I think the again, the 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 collection of King Disease is amazing. I think this album is probably the third, just overall between the three i think king's disease the first king's disease actually one album of the year and i think that's totally fair that was the best one the king's disease two is phenomenal as well too and there's some fantastic hits in this one i mean i have it third on this list but i think it's appropriate that they got the win with the first one i like that it got nominated all i like that all three of them got nominated as well to me this this is going to come down to the killer mike album and the drake album i think those are the top two and for me, I agree with you that personally, I think it's super close. I, you know, we're young guys, Damn. so I have Drake in my playlist a little bit more. The Killer Mike album is fantastic. I have most of most of the album is in my playlist. It's a, a really an amazing return for him back. I think the thing, the thing that could hurt Drake potentially is he does have a little history with the Grammys. I think mm. the was it the he's Certified Lover Boy. <laughs> yeah the, the certified lover boy as well he pulled from grammy contention he's just yeah. kicking the trophies around doesn't is care that, is that really the only thing holding him back right now shout out killer mike's um album art that's kind of crazy I, I, again, highly, an, another, I highly recommend again another album with only one song over 10 million i'm just saying they plays like these are, you know, I'm not going to act like a in the trenches. Shout out, Rev. He's putting in the work. He's putting in the hours. Well, the and reason I wrote the rap stuff down is because that's actually what I was. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, I don't. I, I'm not going to lie. I haven't been researching like that. Yeah. I no, don't that's know. just because Yeet's not nominated yet. Hey, look, man. Hey, hey, he's on his way. Professor on that. Yeah, he's almost there. Uh, But yeah, I don't know if he's considered. Is that considered rap, though? I don't know. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I don't, I, th I think with Michael, it is definitely, it is definitely a different, different kind of rap, you know, listening to it, um, preliminary a little bit, it is like, you can tell, like, there is definitely pretty distinct, like, rap styles than 21 and Drake have, you know, 21 and Drake, it's definitely... You know, it's definitely a little bit more getting to the point. You know, it's 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 circular a little bit. Like they're repeating themselves quite a bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, I you know, I'm a big Drake guy, and uh, I'm definitely in favor of Drake. Um, when I look at that album, probably 
the top songs for me on that, um, Her Loss, and I've listened to this one a lot. This was one of the ones, I think, if you go back, I did mention on the pod that... Yeah, what are your favorite the, songs? Because two different ones got nominated as well. Yeah, it was definitely one of the songs that I didn't think I'd like super a lot when I first listened to it, and then it got to it, and I'm like, oh, it's really good. Um, Broke Boys, uh, Rich Flex, and I think Treacherous Twin, and More M's was also really good. Yeah, um, agree. I mean, that whole album is um, Yeah, I don't... I almost have the whole album on my uh, Drake only <laughs> playlist I'm looking at right now. Uh... Yeah, get middle, get middle of the ocean in season. there. Yeah, yeah, that might be one of the few I don't have. Um, That's what everybody's sleeping I do on. Listen. I do privileged like when I just had a song that I wanted to just put on. Um, and privileged rappers probably was one the main one. Mm, I think you might be right. I I think for me this comes. I think I would vote Drake one. It's super close. Yeah. I'd vote Drake one. Michael too. And I, again, I respect the Michael album. So I don't know, you know, moving to the next category, I would give, I would give rap song to scientists and engineers, which is off the killer Mike album. To me, the mm -hmm. rap song as well go, goes down to rich flex by Drake and 21 yeah. and scientists and engineer uh, again, the her loss and the Michael. And I would give yeah. the song, the nod in this category and her loss, the nod in the album. But I don't know if any of the other nominees you thought had a shot as well. Best rap song, you got Attention by by Doja Cat. Uh, Barbie World by Nicki Minaj and I Spy is featuring Uncle. That was, that was that was one that stayed on my list a little bit. Just Wanna Rock by Lil Uzi Vert. Rich Flex by Drake and 21. And Scientists and Engineers by your boy Killer Mike. I'm going to go off the script here. I'm going Just Wanna Rock. Because guess what I want to do? I Just Wanna Rock. I think I really like, I think it took hold. You could see like... It was a movement. It was a movement for a little bit there. I mm. really liked the song. I Lozy Vert, you know, he's he he seemed like he, you know, he's still popular and a lot of his old stuff, you know, is still vibrating. But this was kind of like a reminder that Lozy Vert is still one of the best artists out there. You know, I think he's kind of forgotten. He kind of got, you know, his his it, you know, his fans were still listening. But he didn't, he really wasn't on the scene, in my opinion, as much mm. over the last couple of years. Like, it seemed like after, yeah, Love is Rage too. like, Eternal Take, I don't think really resonated with a lot of people. Like, I think there were still solid songs on there, but I don't think it really was, you know, nowhere as high, you know, high much. And then I think, yeah, there was, uh, where, where is it? Went away from me for a sec. Uh, Pink Tape. Um, I think, yeah, Pink Tape, I think, brought it a little bit more back. Um, yeah, I think watch this. I'm trying to, I'm looking through his list right now. Um, and it yeah, looks like, his... I mean, he didn't really make an album, so he kind of just was yeah. chilling, yeah. So this was kind of like, oh, Lil Ozzy Bird still thing. He could still like make a banger of a song and like take over the internet for a couple of days or a couple of weeks. Um, a little bit of the NFL. So, uh, yeah, I gotta go. Yeah, just wanna rock. Um, oh, that's your pick. That's my pick. That's that is my pick. It isn't really in terms is of it a, a rap song. Is it like a good rap song? Maybe no. I mean, is it I a, would go Rich Flex. Is it a good but song? But it's the best song out of them. I would go just one. The question is, does is it is it a good song? Can the can the Grammy for the best song go to a song that is like actually 
I, I guess it is a good song though, because it was a good hit. Yeah, it's, no, it's a, a tough, hit. it's a tough one. Is it a yeah. Grammy level good though? I think I, I, I would take it. I mean, if you, you want to talk about like, I take rap, it all back. You know, rap song, I would go Rich Flex. Uh, you know, take it to the pain, take it to the rap. But uh, you know, <laughs> in terms of my favorite song out of all of these, it'd definitely be yeah. In terms of like what it meant for the year, you know, rap industry i think i'd go more on little Vert. and this is the first time as well too that i think that little like a little uzi vert project has gotten nominated at the grammys because it he it, it looks like looking through it it looks like he's been on some features bad and bougie obviously got nominated for best rap performance and he did get nominated for best new artist as well too when uh when he first broke out but yeah since then really only and that was back in that was back in 2018. Again, Bad and Bougie really was, uh, I guess, XO Tour Life as well, too, in 2017. But Bad and Bougie, when he got nominated for the first time. But then since then, really, he was he was on the Justin Bieber album, Justice, that got mm. nominated. And that was the only other time. So Just Wanna Rock, I think, is a good, a good, a good step up for him into it that should industry. Be, it should be in the best melodic. Oh, I guess it's not a R&B, so... But it's yeah. like in terms of the melody itself, that's it. And this again, this this is like going back to the general field. Rap song goes to like the overall song. So best rap yeah. performance goes to the rappers. So is that the one where you would go Rich Flex? Is that is Rich Flex nominated in that one? I do. Yeah, it is. Um we also have the Hillbillies, Baby Came and Kendrick Lamar, Love Letter by Black Thought, Scientists and Engineers by Killer Mike, and Players by Coy Lorette. Yeah, I do think. This is like one of the best, maybe the best. I think you'd see like real chemistry between Drake and 21, like switching between each other. You can hear they're really getting into the song. Like you can hear the emphasis. Like you can really hear like they're it just they're going bar for bar almost like they're doing their own section. And um, yeah, I think I think you could really see, you know, them really connecting on this song and being like, oh, okay. Like, like these are people who've hung out before. Like there's, they did just, this isn't just a contract. Like this is, there's actual chemistry. Is that the same case for Kendrick Lamar and baby Mmm. They do. They do make some great songs. Together. And they've won this those. award before when yeah. they dropped family ties a couple years ago. That is true. That, that was really good. That and I don't, stuff, I, I don't think this song is better than family ties, but again, yeah. it's, it's nominated against these songs. So we're picking it against these songs. Yeah, I mean, I I'm not gonna lie. I you didn't listen rich, to the I didn't listen to the hillbillies as much as Rich Flex. You still go Rich Flex? But I I I mean, I think they're it's pretty close. They they I think Rich Flex. Yeah, I would go just with how different Drake and Twenty One are in their own singings. Like I think Baby Kim and Kendrick like. If you're li- like if you're listening, you can hear the difference, but they kind of blend in together. You know what I mean? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm hearing things, but I, yeah, I probably yeah. go Rich Flex above. No, I think the. I mean, Ken- this is all opinion, you know. <laughs> yeah, the Kendrick and the the Kendrick and Baby Keem, their flows are definitely more interwoven than uh, the yeah. Drake and Twenty One yeah. thing. I get what you're saying. Well, like Drake and Twenty One, they still keep their separate styles. Like yeah. you're like, oh, this is Twenty Twenty One raps, is a Drake Twenty. I was leaning Kendrick, but I could, I could definitely see giving it to Rich Flex. 
I was a little more out on Rich Flex in this category than the other one, but maybe I should flip it back mm. around. Should should I go Rich Flex for performance and or for or scientists and engineers for performance and Rich Flex for song? No, I yeah, think yeah, I'd probably go. Um, I mean, I think Killer Mike seems to be the feature of that song. Like, it's not the you know, it's not necessarily the music as no the Andre the Andre three K verse. I don't know. I you're not like an old school soul sample type guy, though. I feel like no. no yeah, no. that's that that that's that's what I like. So I that's again, I really like the Killer Mike, the Nas, the Hit Boy, all that yeah. stuff. But I okay, I'll I'll. I'll go Rich Flex. Mm, we got him. I'll 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 give it over the nod over the hillbillies. Wow, all right. Tough call. He's uh, flipping. I don't know. Hey. He, oh, he's flipping back in. <laughs> I immediately flip, second flop. question myself. Flop flip. Immediate voter for uh, Yeah. Is that or oh, are we doing best melodic? Uh the one that I was trying to do. Um, sitting on the world, best melodic rap performance here. The nomination sitting on the top of the world. Um, uh, boy featuring 21, attention by Doja, spinning by you, Drake, and 21. All my life, Lil Dirk and J. Cole, and low by SZA. Shout out SZA for sure. I know right who's sneaking in about? the rap category. I know. Is SZA gonna, SZA. Oh my Is SZA gonna sneak in and take this one? Maybe. Maybe. I feel like kind of lean in SZA. The Burna Boy song yeah. is good. Oh, Attention I'm is good. I remember what all my life is now. You have the kids singing. Do you like the kids? I just like it's it did it did bring it. I was like, what's going on? Like we got church is it, choir here. Like, what's, is what's it tough? Is it tough to read? It's not like a insanely. I don't re-listen to that song a lot. Yeah, I don't play either. that song a lot. No, it's just like, it's kind of, it gets old pretty quick. Yeah, I don't find myself thrown on a kid's choir all the time. I love <laughs> J. Cole. Again, J. Cole, well established that J. Cole's my guy, and I'll listen to anything with J. Cole. On, <laughs> J. Cole over a kid's choir is stretching it. Yeah, it's like, what is going on? <laughs> and Spin About no, You is I mean, good, but. Yeah, Spin About You is good. I know you like that one a lot. I might, I think I might vote for Low. For SZA. Yeah. No, I did like Low. It was, yeah, definitely one of the signature songs on that album. How is like, My Eyes not in this category? <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, in terms of melodic rap, yeah, I did. Yeah, I think SZA would actually. Yeah, this was a good rap album or song and melodic. Yeah, I think it fits it perfectly. I have, I have this album in my rap playlist. Yeah, I think it fits good with all. It just yeah. like if you shuffle it, it it all fits right in. Yeah, but I mean that's Shout I don't out. think that's a hot take to say that the R and B yeah. and stuff it all it all crosses over. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah I'm just saying that SZA SZA hanging with J Cole and Drake in Twenty One Savage in a category is is not surprising. She's doing it in everybody's playlist. Killing it, killing it. All right, is that it for our uh, Grammy picks? Or you got any more to throw at? Uh yeah, best spoken word quickly. No, I think we can. <laughs> we'll do. We're doing poetry picks on Rem and Sam Plus. For Let's the go. Let's go. Five dollars a week. Come on. Just Sam. Uh, Sam read all of the French poetry this year. Yeah, I I studied, studied every bit. Um, 
So did that count that, as piercing truth? I don't even know. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, time to head over to the corners. The corners at the end of the day. We gotta make some some jingle. Uh, the piercing truth. <laughs> Slide into the DMs if you want to make us a theme song for the corners. <laughs> yeah. Well, we can, we can feature your music every single week. It's up to you. On the corners. No. Damn. Where else? Where um, else would you put your music other than the corners? There's really no. Nowhere else. Nowhere else. Um, it was announced earlier this week, maybe last week, that. Sabrina and Steph get what they wanted. They will be facing off in the All-Star game with uh, Sabrina will be. I'm trying to remember. How do you say her last name? Sabrina. Ionesco. Ionesco. Uh, legendary three-point shooter from the WNBA. And will be shooting with a WNBA ball on WNBA lines. Curry with an NBA ball on NBA lines. I don't know. Sabrina was saying she wants NBA mm. lines, NBA basketball. She, she wants the smoke. She wants all of it. Uh, but it looks like that is how they're going to go. And, uh, Rev, I mean, it, it's about time that the NBA started incorporating some of our ideas. I mean, the, the, uh, all-star game is going back to normal, which is kind of sad. We're doing East versus West again, normal game, no Elam endings. Um, but no playground picking. It's just, it's kind of dumb. So at least we have this to hold on to for the weekend. Let me see if there's odds real quick for the Steph Curry, Sabrina Ionesco showdown. I'm telling you right now, Sabrina's going to win this. Mm. Curry's wash? That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying I think I think she's going to win. Uh, FanDuel only has the odds for the game. I want to yeah. bet Ionesco at like plus 250 and win some money. I don't I don't know what order they, they're going to go in, but... We'll see. If Curry like misses, I'm just Curry's gonna miss like the last three shots, and Sabrina's gonna win. That's my call. It's mm. definitely not prime Curry that we're dealing with. Um, yeah, I don't. Though. It's it's. Uh, I mean, I think I, yeah, it's it's a matchup they've all been calling for, and and it, honestly, the three point contest, like, I don't know, has it gotten a little boring? Like they don't have stars anymore. Now, it's a but, good move. I like that. I, I like the move. I like having their own thing. Um, and shout out to the WNBA getting featured at All Star Weekend. Anyway, to incorporate. Can we get somebody in the dunk contest? Yeah, someone please get them in. Uh, they could get in the skills contest though. Yeah, do, have they announced who's where yet? I thought when I did know. Wemby commit, or was that a was that fake? I don't know. We had Pro Bowl going on this week, and I was not paying attention to any of it. I I'm gonna be yeah yeah. I was uh pretty tuned out of the Pro Bowl. <laughs> like I, I'm surprised people. To watch it, I kind of wanted to. I don't know. Some of them are interesting when you have like rivals go up against each other. Um, yeah, Wemby's confirmed for the skills challenge. Oh, I don't know if anybody see. else other than that. I know there's rumors that Jaime Hawkins oh. was also. Can they have two rookies in the dunk contest? I'm trying to see Pro Bowl results. Oh, here we go. Give me the pro ball. You want who won the dodgeball game? I actually watch the dodgeball game highlights every year. Dodgeball mm. because there is it's always interesting. There's every every once in a while. Like once you start getting into the like the best catch, you know, precision <laughs> pass. It's like dropping okay. it from a drone. <laughs> okay. You know, I I get it. This is just a you know. But the dodgeball, 
don't sleep on the dodgeball. Um, as for the NBA, I don't know. It's it's just dumb that you know the dunk contest. No one does it anymore. It's just they should put that as the awards. You know, you someone has to do Ooh. the dunk. I don't know. It's sixty-five games and be willing to compete in the dunk contest. Exactly. You have to be. Yeah, I don't know. Do we want to do a quick aside? What do you think about this whole Joel Embiid not being able to get MVP because he won't play sixty-five games? Okay, so I actually have the document, the player participation document. Oh, actually, he's got I, the documents. I, I I I have it pulled up right here. So I'm on section C. Hmm. I thought so when originally this was announced, I thought the people on TV were saying that or I saw I, I saw some posts. I thought I saw something that said that it was 65 games and the league would be willing to take into consideration like exceptions for that. Obviously, yeah. there was the older player exception, but I thought that I had saw that there was an injury exception in that as well, too, because it's interesting because, like, yeah, there is. But it's like 63, like it's barely less. It's I I it's so there's a definite number because I thought it was like the yeah. league would the there was like the league would review cases or whatever. Cause it's like it does that that part of it does make sense because the player participation was for you know load management, not a guy, yeah. you know, fall dies for a loose ball on the court and somebody falls on his knee. Like there's and and that and that is a part of the MVP. Like if you if if you get hurt and play 50 games even without the player participation policy you're not going to be like you're mm. it's going to hurt your case. So Embiid might get to a point where it's like, okay, the player participation thing is not really in like, if he's at 56 games, you know, he's, he, he's not going to win the MVP anyways. Right. How many games did he play last year? I think he was, he played 67 is what I was hearing. Um, but yeah, I think, I think people just want 66, you yeah. know, to get mad about something and it's easy to just be like, Hey, He's not going to make it because of this. Like, this is ridiculous, blah, blah, blah. Like, people just want to get mad about something. I don't yeah. know. He's, I mean, if you're playing that few, I mean, what's what's his face? Uh, um, Jokic, I mean, I mean, he played 55 last year, and that's, like, pretty much the main reason why he didn't. Yeah. He didn't make it. So, I don't, I don't know. I, I might be a little bit distracted watching the dodgeball. Uh, let's do we want to put it on <laughs> no no it's like eight minutes we're not watching all that. <laughs> uh, but um yeah i don't <laughs> hey i gotta get my dodgeball in man every year it, it's the game that means i watch more dodgeball than the actual pro bowl game like <laughs> that's probably true guys. it's like actually worth watching i'm just i'm just saying they try um, harder in dodgeball they definitely try harder in dodgeball um <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah i don't uh I, I yeah i think yeah you saw Jokic got penalized last year because he didn't play enough games i do think it is you know a little bit a little bit bogus when you look at all nba the all like, nba yeah yeah that's where it's like yeah okay but mvp like it's only one player and you know it's they we can figure it out um, because you have the because you have that third team, so it's not even like a first yeah. team All NBA thing. It's like you know yeah. who's going to be left off a third team because some guy played whatever. But again, yeah. Embiid's probably going to be on it fifty some games. Davis yeah. played like thirty games last year and made it on. I yeah, you know, it was it was more than that, but who knows? I don't I don't remember. Um, 
I don't think it, I don't think it was more than sixty. I can double check. Oh. Fifty-six. Oh. Played fifty-six games last year and was still third team All NBA. So like Embiid, that uh, you know, the yeah. Halliburton is more at risk, I think, for that than Embiid is. But yeah, the MVP thing could be just be it could just be a, a number where the, the player participation thing doesn't even matter. Yeah, and it, it's an easy thing to get mad at. And uh, yeah, also shout out Derrick Henry, great dodgeball player. Mm. Uh, not a great running back though. So. Mm. Um, <laughs> oh yeah do we need to do that before we finish the corners or should we just wrap up these corners real quick the links are in the description we were having such a good time talking to lou today we forgot to shout some people shout out, out. Pure Vita. Shout out. Uh, real quick ultimate frisbee last yesterday we had our game we did take an l against the only i think it's the only undefeated team in the league um we did have another close game last time we played them it came down to 13 it was 4 12 mm. they beat us this game came down to 12-11, and they beat us. It was a little bit more gut-wrenchy just because we had twice as many players as they did. But it's it's a weird thing with Frisbee, like, and that's why we've had – I've had this situation in the past. If you have, like, less people play, but they're all really, really, you know, really good or really connected, then, you know, they just figure it out. And, you mm. know, then when your team is bigger and you don't have – Chemistry. You know, as high-level players, it, it kills you. And, yeah, I've I've had a situation where we got beat pretty badly. They they came back and beat us so much. But don't mind. We're down even if we're down two, three, it doesn't matter. We're gonna keep marching on. You know, it's it's league. Like you can't not tell people to play. It's, it's just how it is. Mm. So but we did get some more details about the team coach Sam. I don't know. Some people are saying Coach K. Mm. It's it's floating around, mm. got a couple of nicknames, but we're getting dates, we're starting to get locked in. So Instead of playing spring league, we're going to have Coach K out there coaching these kids, running with them. And, uh, yeah, also, yeah, so that's still chugging along. College Frisbee is still high on the rise. We had a couple tournaments last weekend. North Carolina continued to roll. BYU loses their big first game out the gate, drops six points, I think, in the rankings, uh, nine points. They dropped nine points. Oh. So from from uh, if I'm doing my math right, from fourth to no, from fifth to fourteenth. And um, yeah, on the rise right now is the California team, Cal Poly Slow, who beat them third in the nation according to OT World. They also won the Santa Barbara invite. So that's huge. But shout out, big shout out. Uh, this weekend, 2024 Florida warm-up, and guess who's playing down there? Our boy Wettingale oh. on Cincinnati. They are back in action tomorrow, 9 a.m., playing Cornell. And, uh, yeah, we'll have to see how the weekend goes for him. But, yeah, the Santa Florida warm-up, um, they also got Carlton from the Midwest area, best team in our in Iowa region, in that area region. Um, and yeah, we'll have to see. We'll have to see how he does. But yeah, wet and gallon action tomorrow. Your boy. Uh, and the Alley Cats as well too have been gearing up. But they've been ma- yeah. I've been seeing they're making a lot of roster signings. Been getting ready. I well here should I say this about the Alley Cats? I yeah. I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to upset any Alley Cat relationships that we might have. But uh oh uh oh. 
I, I, I do want to, I just, I think it's, I think it is good to make sure to make things clear on where relationships stand. I think a lot of people would agree with that. So just, just to make things clear. And so things are out in the open. I think me, me and the alley cats right now, we're in like mm -hmm. a, we're in like a, it's like a, a, a boyfriend, girlfriend phase right now. Mm. We're not, I, I'm, we're not married to the team. Yeah. Not married. I, 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 but they got to keep taking you out on dates. You still got to keep trying. I, I think, I think we're exclusive. Mm. I think. Okay. We might have to have a conversation about that. Maybe that's Hello. the next step. I just, I just, I want to make, I want to make things clear with the alley cats. That's all. Yeah. Why, why are we defining titles? What's going on, Rev? Well, I don't know. You, you know, looking so to jump ship. Things happen. You, people don't mm. respond to DMs. I don't know. You know, you, you mm. start looking, you start looking elsewhere. But who wants it? Who 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 uh, who appreciates the relationship? I don't know. I'm just saying, stay tuned for the dirty, dirty gossip in Frisbee Corner. <laughs> who knows what teams we'll be looking at? Yeah, when Frisbee starts, the season's starting soon in the spring. Yeah, yeah, the season's around the corner, and they're gonna have games live and free on YouTube. Alicats is one of them. A mm. lot of you New York games on there as well and yeah we can call it that they're playing frisbee with the ufa um switch so uh let me see when does this season start um if they're streaming it live on youtube long. can we can we live stream it our ourselves and just watch party it <laughs> if they're broadcasting I mean, it for free could, can we show it i probably get in trouble for it but do do uh um, do ultimate frisbee watch parties? We'd be helping the league. It'd be good for the league. Yeah, maybe. Uh, okay, so they changed their URL to watchufa.com. Can watch any game they have on watchufa.tv.tv. Mm. Um, watchufa.tv. When does their season start? They need to update their schedule here. Uh, April. Uh, yeah, they, they haven't moved it to their new. Yeah, I think it is April. Uh, so they did start, um, what do they call it? They did start. Are they in oh, training goodness. camp? Uh, yeah, I think they're in training camp. They finished their tryouts. I think they've announced most of the teams. So, they're yeah. gearing up. UFA, you can get it on Roku and Fire Stick. Um, mm. And then quickly about soccer, the Bay Area FC continues to sign big names, even though they haven't played a single game, the expansion team, which is planning to start this next year. Um, got a huge striker, really good striker from Barcelona, the top team in the area and 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 uh, women's uh soccer. And then yep. they also got a really good striker, um, from a really good defender from Arsenal as well. So it looks like, um, yeah, they picked up Dania Castellos and Asita mm. Ashola. So the, the BFC looking to be maybe the best soccer team in the area. Who knows? Maybe even better than men. Are they? They're going to be the number one draw. Is this the Caitlin Clark? Did they just get their Caitlin Clark? Uh, I mean, I think Caitlin Clark in twenty years. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, I think uh, Caitlin Clark uh, on the other side of the uh, room. Ashola, yeah, she's definitely really, really good. So, well, we'll see. We'll see if it translates to 
here in the, in the states but yeah bay area fc is is uh is real and it's here and it's gonna be it's great for the league in terms of others other stuff i mean when do they start do you know um uh, no i don't are you guys you guys need to get on the season ticket list yeah no get on the can the can the people um, can the rem and sam bosses get can we get a can we get Sam some please. tickets as like a hookup? Some season ticket passes? You can do it. Companies Real do bad. that, right? Um can our bosses do that for us? Single tickets. Let's see here. Oh, so the season tickets. Okay, so you can't buy single tickets. So I'm not sure. I think it hmm. is a little bit. I think it's also spring. Um oh, so this year? Spring. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely this year. In a couple months um where are they playing at do you know no no is it the san francisco city fc no it's bay fc bay fc so it's it's the new england of the west Coast. uh they're playing in paypal park in san jose eighteen thousand. Um, gene oh Beatty, they just signed yeah. Jen or Jen Beatty. Yeah, from Arsenal. They're kind of assembling a super team. I don't know if that's true. Exactly. No, a little bit. Kinda. They got a coach. Upper team on time. March. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, they got they got some good players. Also got 2021 Defender of the Year Capristas Disco. So they they're getting a super team here. It says on the website that the season begins March this year. Oh, okay. So next month. Yeah. We're in well, February now. Yeah, it's it's real. It's here. Um also, yeah, shout out to Chelsea fighting the good fight. Uh got destroyed by Liverpool at home for one, but uh hopefully they get it back right. So yeah, Chelsea through and through. Oh, it looks like I think that. Can we get somebody hey. from the board? Maybe. Start reaching out. We'll look into it. Good idea on it. Okay. We have some intern thing. Reach out. Yeah, I think we just got a couple of new interns. We can yeah. have somebody send an email. Do interns know how to send emails? They should. Okay. How do you think they how do they apply for this job? I don't All know. Right, anyway. I just <laughs> You get detached sometimes. Mm, yeah. Uh, you you, you uh, haven't been an intern for so long. You forget what the grind is like. I just, <laughs> you have people bringing you coffee all day. You forget. I'm sorry. Yes. Um, Shout out the Rem and Sam interns. We love the Rem and Sam, Sam intern. Okay. All right. I think that should be about it, though, uh, for this pod. Thanks again to Lou uh, for Shout showing up. You know, we're in the mix, always trying to get new guests on the pod. So, yeah, make sure you check out our YouTube, check out our Instagram. If you're hearing this, you're probably already on our Spotify, but we're also on Apple Podcasts. We're all over the web, so just look us up and follow. But thanks for listening. And, Rem, who do we got to thank for this episode? Pure Vita! Shout and out. Shout, out, shout out Pure Vita, shout out Betstamp, shout out DRF Sportsbook. Is that the right mm. name? DRF? DRF. DRF, bet stamp? Bet stamp? Bet stamp? 
DRF, if you click the DRF link in the bio, they will match your, if you click the link and use the promo code, they'll match your deposit up to 300 bucks, which mm. is like many times what the other sports books do. I know a lot of the other sports books will do like maybe a hundred max. So 300 bucks is crazy. It is Iowa only. So shout out to the hometown people. They'll hook you guys up. But bet stamp nationwide. Here be it nationwide. Nationwide. Get online. Shout out. Thanks to the sponsors. Um, and make sure you look in the links below. Check out Loose Up. Check out all the links. And we'll see y'all next week.